Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Will. It's Dov. And it's Griff. And this episode, we're going to be talking about the World Series and Week 7 recap. What do we say, boys? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 151 of Inside the Five. Also, the World Series, may I add. We have the World Series finally, not underway, but finally set in stone. We have the Phillies, who, I mean, there is a lot of quotes from this podcast about the Phillies. One specific <laughs> one. We, we discussed. We discussed. Mm-hmm. We have talked about it. Um, as well as the Houston Astros, who were my preseason pick, or pre-postseason pick to win it all. Phillies, Astros. An absolute Cinderella story down in Philadelphia. Couple predictions going in this episode. We're gonna get it started off hot here. Who do we think's winning? Will. I got the Phillies in seven. And I think if the Phillies win this series, I feel like it's gonna have to go the whole way. I feel like if the Astros really get themselves ahead and they're gonna be able to put this Phillies team to bed, they're the Astros are an excellent, excellent team. They've been playing very well. I mean, we can't count out the Phillies as we've always said. <laughs> But I feel like if the Phillies were to win this series, especially against this very difficult team, I feel like seven games is probably what they're going to be around. Stop. Yeah. Um, my whole thought process behind this is I, I wrote an article about it that's going to be published, I believe, tomorrow or even later tonight. But I got the Phillies in six. And the Phillies, let me bring up a few stats to back up this claim. The Phillies are undefeated at home in the postseason, which – is a, I mean, so are the Astros. The Astros are undefeated in the postseason in general. But I think that uh, Citizens Bank Park is one of the last ho- true home field advantages in baseball. That crowd gets absolutely electric regardless of the situation, and they're always pushing the Phillies to do that little extra thing. So I think that the Phillies go undefeated at home, and I think that they steal one – or they have to steal two in Houston. I think that they end up taking game one. And I think they end up clinching game six in Houston. So I think that the um, – yeah, I, I, I have it right. I have my thought process in line here. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just love 
exactly what the Phillies are doing. It's a Cinderella story. And not only that is it just a Cinderella story. Bryce Harper is having one of the most historic postseasons of all yes. time. He's batting over 400. He has over 1,100 OPS. He's hitting home runs. He's hit, He's having clutch hits game after game. And the rest of this lineup is producing as well. You know, earlier in the playoffs, we didn't see Kyle Schwarber play too well, but he picked up his end of the slack. Reese Hoskins, after he had an error, I think, in the NLDS, he's just improved incredibly. He stepped up to the plate. Although his average isn't there, his OPS is slugging, his home runs and RBIs are there. So yeah. you can't really ask more of him. And then you have the rest of the guys in the lineup that are producing as well. You have Nick Castellanos, a guy who we barely mentioned. He's stepping up to the plate and being outstanding. Even um, on the, even on the defensive side, stuff, exactly which we weren't expecting. Yeah, exactly. You never you don't ever think of Nick Castellanos as a defensive piece, but he stepped up defensively. He's made some great plays in the outfield. He's he's primarily playing left or right field. Um, you have Brandon Marsh making great plays defensively and hitting decently in the uh, playoffs as of late as the ninth hitter in that lineup. And if a one through nine, if they all can hit, that's a dangerous team. And not only are they good at batting. Their ace, Zach Wheeler, is outstanding in the postseason. Every single game, every single situation that he's been put in, he's delivered for them. He's played in multiple elimination games for them, and he's had a 1.82 ERA in the postseason. He's he's had four appearances, he's 25 strikeouts in those four appearances, and he's only let in five runs, which is really good. If you can limit the Houston Astros to less, I mean, obviously you want to limit them to no runs, but your offense is going to pick up the slack, if, especially if you can limit them to to one, two runs when you're out there. you got to believe that the Phillies' offense is going to produce. So I, I, just for those circumstances, I, I got the Phillies in six. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. And I'm going to go out of the way, and I'm, I'm going to take the Astros. I'm going to go up against you guys here. And I think if the Astros get it done, I think it's a short series, short and sweet. I, I'm calling a gentleman's sweep. They let Philly take one in their first home game. That would be game three, right? Or would that be? That would be game three, yeah. Yeah, game three. Um, and I think that's about it. I think they clinch it at home. Or no. I'm, they would have I'm to clinch it in Philly. They would clinch it in Philly, yes. Yes, in game five, not in game. I was thinking of game six. But I have them in five. And I, I actually am just going reverse psychology on this. First off, I want to say at the beginning of this postseason, I had the Astros. So – that's reason number one for myself. Also, when we were talking about the postseason in the same episode, we were talking a lot about the Phillies. I'm not going to bring up anything that you said, stuff, because we have our agreement. But I said there's no chance the Phillies get through the first round. I'm going to say I'll call myself out. Um, and with that being said, it would be a lot better if they lost in the World Series than won the World Series after I said that. So I have to go up against them. Um, that's reason number two. Reason number three, um, I was watching the Phillies game the other day at Philadelphia when they clinched it, and um, I was like, wow, this crowd is electric. And I was thinking of the crowd, and I was like, wait, these are Philadelphia 76ers fans. That's a good reason to you go know, against them. It's funny that you say that because I had a similar thought. Sorry, I just dropped something. But I had a similar thought regarding Philadelphia fans. I feel like Obviously, like Eagles, Patriots fans, we have our differences. 76ers, Celtics fans, we know we have our differences. But Phillies and Red Sox fans never really clash regarding no. anything. I know it's because of AL, NL, whatever. But, like, you'll catch a lot of Red Sox fans pulling for the Phillies in this World Series. And I feel yes, like it's yeah. kind of been that case in general. Because there's a lot of – I feel like the AL East and the NL East are so similar in some ways. Where I, I, the AL East kind of roots for – the NL East in some regards, other than like the Yankees and the Mets, I feel like Red Sox fans and Mets fans are very similar. 
Like they don't like the Yankee and what just bonding over their hatred for the Yankees. But like even Phillies fans and Red Sox fans, I mean, Red Sox fans, I feel like still love Dave Dombrowski. I mean, I do. He, I do. he he's do. just outstanding. Um, Kyle Schwarber, obviously Kyle from Waltham, as Jared Carabas usually yeah. said, but they're just such likable guys on that team. And um it's it's one of those things where it's so weird that if that's the only team that Boston fans and Philly fans like don't yeah they're, they're no, just like and, shaking and hands it, on it that. Makes sense. It makes sense because you know you're in different leagues and you're right. And, and not only is it that we, I like the Phillies. Like I've always liked the Phillies. I was just the thought process was there that I mean we're Red Sox fans. We're also Celtics fans. Majority of Phillies fans are also 76ers fans, are also Philadelphia Flyers fans. Um, I have nothing against the Eagles. I actually love the Eagles. So it is weird. It, it, it's a bit of a split. But, you know, the Celtics were playing that night. JT dropped 40 that same night. And I was just, you know, kind of thinking back and forth. And I, uh, it, it, it's just been tough to kind of root for them after everything that's gone on this postseason with me and them. They've been so fun to watch. And I, I honestly am rooting for them. But I do think the Astros are going to win. And, and it's weird what my thought process is it's kind of like the betting mind where I look at the averages of like the batters and I look at obviously the pitching matchups which I think that we have a pretty even pitching matchup even if it shows that Wheeler it, it has been going off which no doubt in my mind he has you have to think about the guys that are on the other side in, in Houston they have one of the best um, rotations as well as bullpens in the league so I think that this is going to be an absolute battle now when you're looking at hitters I feel like Philadelphia's, I mean, ran the table against any other team. They've been insane when it comes to the bats. And the Houston Astros, who are known as a team that can, you know, get the ball on the ground, uh, get through gaps, all of that fun stuff, and then leave it up for their big guy to to bring everybody in. And Jordan, they haven't been doing that. And a big part of that has been Jose Altuve, who, I mean, has been putting it up an absolute shitter, to be 100% honest. He's three for 32 this postseason. And I mean, that's their leadoff bat. So he needs to step up. I actually think he will. And I think that a thing that, or a move that should be made for this team, um, and, and this team going against their better judgment, because they know who the better hitter is, is at the catcher position. But their captain is behind the plate, right? But in my opinion, Christian Vasquez, even if Martin or if Maldonado isn't as good hitting I know he's better defensive but how much better defensive is he than Christian Vasquez we've seen Christian Vasquez for years and, and, and it may sound biased I don't think there's that much of a gap at all when it comes to defensive but when it comes to the bats Christian Vasquez is five ten times better than Maldonado behind or at the plate I mean it, it just makes so much more sense you're getting rid of your number nine hitter you have eight people batting when Maldonado's out there I mean this postseason he's three for 14 not a big sample size um, you give Vasquez 10 at bats. He only gets two because he hasn't started. I think he started one game this postseason. You get Vasquez in there for nine innings, the first two games. I, I I'm almost guaranteeing three or four hits. He's a postseason hitter. He's been doing this. He's we we've seen it in Boston. They've seen it in Boston because he's done it against the Houston Astros. It just doesn't really make sense, even though he's the captain. It's the World Series. It's time to strap up, put in your best hitters when they need to be in the game. And and, and Another reason why I actually think Houston's going to pull this out and I'm going to move over to our MVP predictions is because of this guy. I think Jordan Alvarez is going to have an absolutely insane World Series, and I think he's going to bring home World Series MVP after they win this thing. Um, 
he's been shaky in my opinion this postseason. He's supposed to be one of the best bats in the league, and he has been throughout the regular season, and he's had his moments. I mean, we saw his bomb. He hit an absolute bomb in the last round. He's hit a few home runs now. I think he kind of ramps up in the World Series as all heroes do. He goes in. I, I, I think he hits two or three home runs in, in this World Series. Kyle Tucker is going to produce as well. Kyle Tucker has been kind of a guy since – they won it, you know, and I want to say that was his rookie year. He stepped up. He was big. He's been an all-star a couple of times. I think that this is going to be Kyle Tucker's team soon, and he's going to be looked at as one of those superstar, all-star caliber players in this league, and I think it all starts now. This might be Kyle Tucker's coming out party. Um, I have Reese Hoskins winning the World Series MVP for the Phillies, and I think a lot of things factor into this as well as his recent play. He's been playing very well. But I also think that when you take a look at the Phillies, you take a look at Reese Hoskins, their history together has been kind of like a weird bond that they've had. The Phillies really took a chance on Reese Hoskins a long time ago, and he could have left many years in, in advance. And they, they bet on Reese Hoskins. Now they're in the World Series. He knows that, and I feel like this is the time for him to really come out, do his thing, and make that bet a long time ago really worth it he's batting really well he's been stepping it up i feel like this is an opportunity for him to really take over and show them who reese hoskins really is i mean will you bring up great points there but i'm gonna i mean we both picked the phillies and i'm gonna pick bryce harper for the world series mvp and i mean obviously he's like i stated before he's had a historic postseason run he's batting insane he's doing everything for them but this is a big legacy world series for a lot of people um, Bryce Harper being one of them, Griff, like you mentioned, Jordan Alvarez, a guy who's been there before, been there, done that, performed on the biggest stages before. Yeah. But when you look at Bryce Harper's career, a lot of people just write him off, right? Yep. Like nobody realizes how high of expectations there were for Bryce Harper when he entered the MLB way back in 2012. He got called up when he was what 18, 19 years old. Like we're basically right now is when we would be playing in the MLB for if we were Bryce Harper, like right now at this age. And he's lived up to expectations, yet he's consistently underrated. Uh, he won the Rookie of the Year. He's won two MVPs. He's consistently been an all-star. He's consistently been the best bat on his team other than his first year in Philly. So I think that he knows all this. All this is in the back of his head, and he's like, what else do I have to do? And I think whether or not people – like to hear this this world series is going to determine if bryce harper's might be the best player in the mlb like what i like to bring up mike trout because they were in the same draft class and they they basically have had very similar careers but everyone constantly says mike trout is this guy he's the best player in the mlb but like yeah he has the stats to do it but he hasn't done it in the postseason he hasn't done it for a long period of time while we've seen bryce harper do it so now you add a, a world series mvp to your resume, along with the NLCS MVP, may I add, what, who's to say Bryce Harper isn't better than Mike Trout now that he has a ring, a World Series MVP, NLCS MVP, two MVPs, a Rookie of the Year, all these accolades. We're talking about Bryce Harper being one of the best players of all time now. So I think this is a big legacy moment for Bryce Harper, and I think he's going to step up to the plate and deliver as he's done every single time in his career when his legacy's been called out. No, I mean, you're 100%. I mean, if I mean, I saw that you picked obviously before Bryce Harper. I mean, I, it's probably going to be Bryce Harper. But like you said, for the whole legacy moment, I mean, we've always known Bryce Harper to be a guy who talks a lot, talks a lot of shit the whole time. It's this is his moment to literally 
talk his shit and back it up like he always does. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the mouth fly from him. He's just going to be out there just screaming around, hitting home runs and doing his thing. It's going to be electric. No, and, and the thing, the only thing I want to add with Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. If he not only wins this World Series, but also gets World Series MVP, you're right, Stavi. I mean, we need to be talking about him as one of the best players of all time. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think that this is a squad with the Phillies that can stay together for a couple of years. I think if they win this right here, they might be back next year, if not the year after that. I, I, I think that this is like kind of not the beginning of a dynasty, but kind of like what the Astros are doing right now. I mean, they have such a good foundation with pitching, hitting. They have everything around them to succeed. It's all about if they can get it done right here, these players are going to want to stay. They're going to be able to beef up that bullpen because every time you win a World Series, that's where the old relievers go. And the old relievers are the ones that get it done in the postseason. And I think the Phillies, if they win one, I'm going to say if they win this, they're going to win one within the next three years again. That's a great take. I mean, I don't see why not. They have their core locked up, essentially. It's just their bullpen does scare me a little bit. If I if I want to talk about pros and cons, I mean, I, I mentioned this stuff in the article too, but it's worth noting. Their bullpen has overperformed up to this point in the postseason. Um, that was a major reason why no one really put them in the World Series or even winning in the first round, may I add is because their bullpen has been very lackluster throughout the year. They haven't, they don't have a solidified closer. Uh, if they do, it's David Robertson, who's, what, 36 years old? He's, but it's a veteran presence. They have a lot of good veteran pieces in this clubhouse. And I, that's why I love the Phillies. It's a it's a true feel-good story as well. Um, this is why we watch sports, just to, for the underdog, for, for the good stories, for like David versus Goliath in this case. Um, Goliath being the Houston Astros and David being... Philadelphia Phillies because the the uh, Astros are favored pretty heavily in this, which is, I mean, I don't want to say it's surprising, but the Astros have been there and done this. They they're yeah. pretty much a pencil in in the ALCS or the World Series every single year. They've had had with sustained success, even with the transition out of Carlos Correa. Not many people had the Astros back in the World Series after they lost Correa, a core piece, but they just replaced him with rookie Jeremy Pena, who's been Jeremy tough. Pena has been special. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that name. I'm glad you brought that up. He's, he's been, been awesome, outstanding. And Griff, you mentioned it as well. Their best players haven't even been performing for them in the yep. playoffs. I mean, Jordan Alvarez had a really good ALDS, but in the ALCS, he only batted like around 230, 200, and he, he had a few RBIs here and there, clutch RBIs, may I add, but. Yeah. We're used to seeing him batting 300, 400 in the postseason. So, and Altuve has been horrendous all throughout the postseason. And this lineup is dangerous. You, we all know that. This Astros team can hit. They've been there. The moment's not going to be too big for them. But hey, it's going to be really interesting. I think we're in for a real treat. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's a good cue to move on to a treat of the NFL Week 7 slate. Let's start Thursday night, boys. We'll go down the list. I'm going to actually let me say our predictions, how we did. So for spread, I went 64%. This is my best nice. week. Um, notable wins. I had Carolina plus 10. I had Washington plus five. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty. I mean, we had a lot of similar picks this week. But over under, boys, this is crazy to me. We all went 71%. That's wild. Round of applause for us. Yep. 
Um, notable win. I'll, I'll go through each. I had the under in the Cleveland-Baltimore game that hit by three points. Um, Will and I both had the over in the Washington-Green Bay game. Yep. Uh, Will and Griff both had the over in the Chiefs 49ers game. I, I picked the under in that. I really am not sure why I did that. I, I'd like to <laughs> go back in time. But a big hit for all of us, too. The under in the Pittsburgh and Miami game. I feel like that was hard. It was a set at 44. We all picked the under. That hammered. And then a trap with the Bears and the Patriots. We picked the over when it was set at 39 and a half. Uh, Griff and I, we both picked the over on Thursday night at 45 when it was the 76 was the final total. So, I mean, we all had a great wins. We we did very well. 71% is ridiculous in an NFL slate. Guys. But for the spreads, Will, you went 50%. Griff, you went 36 I was hoping you weren't gonna. But <laughs> since I was I, like, let's go. We're talking about you know we moved on from spreads. I already know what I did. You sent us it already. But I was just hoping you weren't gonna say anything. I, I mean, I'm just talking myself up right. Hey, but I'm, I do want to say, dude, I've been bad. I've been bad, and it hasn't been like a stretch. It's been like the whole time. I don't. I don't think I've won spreads yet. I don't think I've won. Uh, no, you. I think you won one. I'll go back, and, and it was like forty percent. No, you and I tied week five with 53%. Um, no, don't count. This isn't you and I tied week four for 44%. Um, you won week three at 56%. So you, you've been doing better than – you've just had a lot of outlier weeks. Than who? <laughs> I've been the worst. No. <laughs> well, yeah, you like overall – like I don't think I've done great either. So uh, the overall percentages, do you want to hear like the average of the percentages? So yes, you have outlier – Griff, you have outlier weeks. Let's be real. Like week two, you went 25%. That's what killed yeah. you in this yeah. average accumulation. I have to and, do the standard. Wait, wait. The, I, there was a big chunk of red this week, stuff. How many of those first – starting with the first game, I was wrong. Starting mm-hmm. there, how many in a row did I miss from our prediction? One, two, six. That's bad. You, That's not you missed, you missed six of the seven one o'clock slates. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a one o'clock. I also, also, I do want to say me and Will were on West Coast time this weekend. I think that even though I met, I made the predictions earlier, I'm going to use that as a blame. I okay. wasn't, I, dude, I woke yes. up at like nine. The games were starting in an hour. All right, let's talk about also lock of the week. This is, I was on a streak. My lock of the week clearly didn't hit, not even fucking close it was terrible pick mm-hmm. i had the patriots plus seven and a half i hate them but will and griff obviously <laughs> both had their locks of the week griff you hit with seattle plus seven that's a great pick round of applause for you great and then will shout out to you you had the jets plus three and even without Brees hall um in that second half of that game it still hit so will round of applause to you battle to reversely hit your lock of the week and shout that. out will again he hit his anytime. He hit his prop of the week. He hit his touch anytime touchdown. He had George Pickens anytime touchdown. That's his first career that was touchdown. A That's that a, was big a big hit. One. And then Griff and I, we we didn't hit ours. You had Romeo. Didn't I didn't bet. I actually did bet this week, and I'll I talk didn't. about it later. I'll I talk didn't. about it later. I, I, I put one prop I like. I will talk about it later. I didn't even bet on the Patriots game that I went to. I was a little surprised that I didn't, but kudos to me because I would have lost. I so. also didn't bet on the Patriots game I went to. And yeah, so you had Romeo Dobbs anytime touchdown, and I had Jonathan Taylor anytime <laughs> touchdown. Romeo Dobbs didn't get a reception, and I don't think the Colts scored a touchdown. So I started Romeo Dobbs, by the Me way, too. this week. Me too. 
It, I, bro, well, the experts, the quote-unquote experts, were saying he was going to go off. This was the worst week he's ever had. And last week, last week was his breakout week. He earned the start for my team. But I, I also – can we take a minute to talk about my fantasy team after the recap? I'll talk about it. I made a few moves. I just want to say the quote-unquote experts also had the Packers blowing out the commanders for, in terms of fantasy. And they're like, oh, play everyone you have on the Packers this week. And they will get there, but, like, they shit the bed. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it, it was a – it was a weird week. It was a weird week for, for our, my picks. But I say we get right into this first game here. Um, back to Thursday night between New Orleans and Arizona. And Arizona finally put up some points on the board. Um, a bit of a, a, a fake team that we've been talking about. Still a fake team. 42 points. 42 points over there. Stav, you're giving me a weird face. What do you think about it? Well, I the defense scored 14 of them. <laughs> you got a point. Um, but, but, but you know what they say? Points are points. Points are points. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a win is a win. Points are points. You can't hate on the Cardinals for winning this game. Andy Dalton stinks. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know where Michael Thomas is. Oh, well, okay. This is what he does. And, and I'm glad we brought this up because I just traded Michael Thomas this past week. Great move. He's I, probably never going to play football again. I, well, I told, I told the kid that, yeah, he's not going to be back or my friend Anthony, I'm not going to call him the kid. Um, I told him he's he's not back this week. He's scheduled to be back next week. I, I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to be back next week. Probably <laughs> uh, I, I lied. I lied. <laughs> the trade, the trade, listen to this trade. I think I won this trade. I traded Miles Sanders. I know. I know what you're thinking. I traded Miles Sanders and Michael Thomas. In return, I got Damian Harris, who you know isn't doing that great, but he's going to put put up more Michael Tom- or more than Michael Thomas. And I also got Kenneth Walker the third. Okay, that's huge. Uh, yeah, what would you grade that trade? That's a good trade for you. It's a B plus. I mean, Thanks. Damian Damian Harris. Although I I'm skeptical I about him, back. he he'll end up getting getting touches. Like it's, that, it's going to happen. And Kenneth Walker's obviously a stud. So yeah, he's probably going to win offensive that, rookie I, of the year. I did it as a bit of a, like a comparison. I gave up two. I got two. I think that at the end of at the end of this fantasy season, Kenneth Walker is going to be uh, better in terms of fantasy points than Miles Sanders, and because he's going to be getting all the running, all, all the rushing yards, because Geno Smith is his quarterback. He runs, but not that often. Um, when you're in an offense with Jalen Hurts, he's going to be getting a lot of those touches himself. So it's kind of tough for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is good for like a 13 point points a week where Kenneth Walker has the ability to explode like he did last week. And, and, and then Michael Thomas, which um, I think he, like, rolled his ankle. He's probably out for the season. That's what he does. He just, like, maybe barely tweaked his – He probably made that up. Like, he probably just doesn't want to play. And I'm getting Damian Harris for him. So, yeah, I think so, – Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. W trade, Will? W trade? W trade, W trade. Perfect. Let's w move trade. on to the 1 o'clock slate. How about that? Um, yes. We had an absolute – Awful game, awful game with the Tampa Bay from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not going to say even from the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers played good football that day, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suck. Like, let's just be straight up, and they have no reason to suck. They have so many studs on this team, and the fact that they lose 21 to three to the Carolina Panthers, it's bad. Like, it's bad. More, it's worse than we thought was going on in Tampa. Um, their play calling is horrendous. Tom Brady is playing horrendous. Mike Evans is dropping wide open touchdown passes. Chris Godwin isn't getting open to the extent that he used to. 
Um, and I hate the fact where people are like, you got to get him weapons. Tom Brady has the best weapons in the league, probably on paper. You have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, you have Julio Jones, you have Scotty Miller, you have Cameron Bray, I think is still playing on that team. They have, have four Leonard, tight ends. Yeah, you have Leonard Fournette, you have Rashad White, who's been playing well for them. You have guys. I don't want to hear this excuse of you having no weapons. So I don't even know where to put Tampa Bay. If you lose to a team that's actively having a fire sale right now, where do you even go from there? Because there's clearly a disconnect between Tom Brady and the locker room, in my opinion. Um, he's not going to the Wednesday walkthroughs. He's not going, or he's not going to Wednesday practice. He's not going to the Saturday walkthroughs. He's going to weddings during the middle of the season when their team is traveling. It, it, they're letting him do too much. And yeah, I understand he's the goat. Obviously, I, I watched Tom Brady my entire life. We all did, and we saw what he done, what he's done in his career. But he should have just hung up the cleats, guys. Like he should have ended where he did. If he ended when he did last year, he could have avoided this entire situation. It would have been completely fine. I mean, it's set in stone. He's the greatest player of all time. And not only do I think that he should have retired this past off season, I think that um, the fact that he didn't was one of the biggest mistakes he's going to make in his whole entire life. And I was talking to it with Will on, on the way back from, the game that we attended. We'll talk about it when we get to that game, what game we attended. Um, I think Tom Brady should just retire, like, right now. I, I don't think there's a reason for him to continue playing. If Tom Brady plays this year, doesn't make the playoffs, and then retires, then he's going to get clowned. I mean, he, it's not going to really affect his legacy because, like I said, it's kind of already set in stone. But, I mean, you got to know when to call it. It's been a very long time, and, uh, and, and now the off – the off the field stuff is starting to collide with the on the field stuff. That's usually when players call it a career and Tom Brady kind of pushed his limit. And, and I mean, he's losing on and off the field. So it, it just really isn't even worth it. I mean, I think I agreed with you when we talked about it. I think the other thing that I said, or I might not said, but I've been just like thinking about it recently is like, he really only stayed because of that effect that you like get after you retire from playing a sport where you're just like, I'm still healthy kind of for the most part i still want to play but like i'm older like i still have it it's kind of it's just like that weird mindset you get yourself into and i feel like he just kind of got stuck in that moment and he was like well this tampa bay team is still pretty good they still have weapons they still have pretty much everyone from when we won a couple of years back why can't i just go back out there and play again and then just limit myself it's it's just like it's such backwards thinking because at the same time he checked out Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Like mm -hmm. when he retired last year, he checked out and decided to check back in. Like 
you look at players like like Terrell Owens, like I know it's like a joke, but like he literally probably could play. He's not going to because he probably will get hurt, but like he's in a physical state that he can play football again if he wanted to. Like Tom Brady just isn't in that state on and off the field. I don't really know why he came back. I mean, yeah, like I guess it was like funny that he like retired and then, oh, I didn't. And then the whole like Schefter BS or whatever happened. Like, yeah, like I guess that's like cool for like the clout, but like I think it's dumb. Like there's really no other way to put it than like he kind of just did it for more notoriety when he doesn't really need it. Yeah, um, you said it best. It sucks to see this, but at the same time, we're seeing it all across the league. And it's with Aaron Rodgers, too, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Green yep. Bay Packers lost to the Washington Commanders, which they were favored by five points, like we talked about last episode, too. The Green Bay Packers being favored by a large amount of points every single week is kind of, like, weird. It's yeah, I, I'm kind of confused by that. But... The Washington Commanders not only covered, but they outright won against the Green Bay Packers with Taylor Heineke starting at quarterback. And I don't see as much of a disconnect between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers as I do with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. But because Aaron Rodgers is still doing his thing, I'm not, yeah. I think he's still playing well. It's just he doesn't, he actually doesn't have help around him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they also could give the ball to Aaron Jones every single play and win because the Aaron Jones is a great player. He's one of the best players. He's one of the best running backs in the league. And when you get him the ball, he makes plays. We saw it multiple times against Washington. When they got him the ball, that's when they started to score. So I'm curious as to what their game plan is going to be against Buffalo upcoming. We'll get to that next episode. But let's revert this attention away from the Packers and talk about the Commanders. Um, Shout out Taylor Heineke because this team was dead. And Taylor Heineke comes back and he slings the rock around right? He slings it around. He's electric and he has energy, right? Terry McLaurin got involved. Curtis Samuel was involved. Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, all these guys, they stepped up and played better in front of Taylor Heineke when he's their quarterback. Do we think that Taylor Heineke will be the quarterback of the Washington Commanders for the rest of the year? 100%. I don't really know why he wasn't the starting quarterback, even though they had Wentz to start the year. I just don't really understand that move. Like Heineke played well. He's been kind of consistent for them all along. He fits well in their offense. And they're just like, oh, Carson Wentz, like, let's play him, and he sucks. Like, like just straight up, he sucks. I don't really know why they didn't roll with Heineke all along. The whole team kind of like uh, that playoff game against the Bucks, kind of what made that whole team kind of just push and rally with him. They all loved him after that. I don't know why you wouldn't stick with a guy the whole team loves. And, and we've seen this with a few guys this year, Will. Um, and, and the reason why I think Taylor Heineke should be the starter is because this is a guy that the locker room is behind. Like, I, I think that the locker room doesn't like Carson Wentz. I don't think they mesh well. Carson Wentz, in today's NFL, he's like, you know, he's kind of like an old-school guy. Like, he loves hunting. Um, when when I think of Carson Wentz's personality, I think he could have fit in the NFL in, like, the 60s and the 70s. He, he, he doesn't mesh with his teammates. It doesn't make sense. Taylor Heineke goes in there, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder because he knows that he can win games. And he got very close to beating Tampa in that game. And it's tough looking at his one big game as a loss. But you go in there, you beat Aaron Rodgers, at, and you're at home. FedEx Field, I mean, hasn't seen that in a while. They haven't seen that in a very long time. Taylor Heineke comes in, he throws for 200 yards. He kind of disperses the ball around to everybody. Terry McLaurin has a good day. He gets in the end zone. Um, we saw Antonio Gibson get in the end zone. 
Brian Robinson rushed for like 75 yards and Gibson added 50 himself. It, it, it was kind of just like I've been saying, and I to, to relate it to my own team, when you don't have someone at quarterback that you're relying on to go make plays, that next quarterback to step up, his job is get it to the playmakers, which which every quarterback's job should be. But when Carson Wentz, who has received MVP votes, has gotten way too many chances in this league to kind of come back, he's going to go out there and try to do it for him. You know, he's going to go out there. He's going to run around. He's going to move out of the pocket, try to be the Carson Wentz that he once was, which he really isn't anymore. And he's going to go try to make special plays when he really doesn't have to. And Taylor Heineke just proved that. And I think that um, it's obvious that Taylor Heineke should be the starter. And I think that this is finally a situation where he's going to get the credit that he deserves. I don't I don't think that we'll see Carson Wentz just because it's Carson Wentz. I think that Taylor Heineke will be the starter. And, and the last thing I want to say just about the Packers real quick is, you're right, Stav, I think Aaron Jones is the best player on this team, the best offensive player on this team. And he only got eight touches in this game, and, and that's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if you didn't say Griff, I was going to say they didn't touch the ball. And they, didn't, they didn't run the ball the whole game. They ran like 10 run plays. Yeah, they had 12 rushing plays. Yeah. And, and they gained 38 yards. Get like get him in a rhythm early, and Aaron Jones is going to be special for the whole game. But but you don't do that, and that's why Aaron Rodgers goes out there. Um, and, and after the game, he says, "Guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. Why don't you throw those reps on Aaron Jones and go win some ball games? Because that's what he's going to do for you if you put him in the right spot, which is easy to do. You just give him the ball. If he has the ball, he's going to figure it out." Yeah, and this Packers team is talented. Defensively, they're outstanding. Yeah, one of the best defensive teams in the league. And obviously, you have Aaron Rodgers, and I do think that they're going to figure it out. Just not this week against. This is a really bad week to face the Buffalo Bills. Yes, but um, Sunday night game, primetime game in Buffalo. That is a very tough game. But I, I don't think the bad Packers are going to win. And a bad loss. It's a bad combination. I don't think that the Packers are going to win this game. But I, I hope to see them take the steps in the right direction because the NFC is so up for grabs. Like the NFC is not really a strong conference, but the Packers still can make some noise. They can still win their division. Obviously, it's early in the season. So I, I expect them to have a bounce back week of some sorts against the, uh, against the Buffalo Bills, but I don't expect them to win. Let's move on to the next game. The Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Another terrible game between these two. Uh, Matt Ryan is benched for the rest of the year. They're starting Sam Ellinger, which I'm kind of surprised about in a way. I thought that Nick Foles would get the nod, but hey, we're going to see Ellinger. uh, Young quarterback, young, fun, exciting, like we love to say. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's talk about this game. It was garbage, right? Like 19 to 10 was the final score. Uh, we all had Indianapolis plus two and a half, but Matt Ryan threw a pick six and ruined that for us. But I, I really, to be honest, I don't really have much to say about this game. This is, like, this is my game. I was like, there's really, I was like, there there was really only one takeaway is that both teams are now starting different QBs going forward for the rest of the season. Pretty sure Tannehill's also benched. Um, He's injured. So oh. Malik Willis might come in, but he's okay. questionable. I, I don't think they've decided yet. Oh, well, that's but unfortunate. That but tweet like, came out. That tweet came out, and um, 
Nothing has been said otherwise. I think as of right now, Malik Willis is at least starting the next week. But they did say Tannehill went down with an injury, but he didn't go down. They're just saying he got hurt, finished the game, and he might not play. They said the same thing about Foles. Like, Foles tried making up a fake injury, and then the Colts said, no, he's not hurt. (laughs) He just sucks. About Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, Matt Ryan, tied for Matthew Stafford, leads the league in picks. I think he's at, like, seven or eight. He's also like top five in passing yards this year. Or or you know what? You know what? Matt Ryan might be ahead of him now because the Rams. Yeah. I think I think Stafford has seven and, and Matthew Stafford has seven. Ryan, sorry, they're both named Matt. It's kind of tough. He might have nine now. I think I saw that stat before this week started and he did two picks in this game. Yeah, embarrassing. So, yeah, he's bad. But yeah, we're gonna see some young teams or young quarterbacks taking over these teams. It's about time. We've been saying it for every single quarterback. I'm sorry, Stav. For every every quarterback that um, goes down and, and there's a young quarterback down there, and, and I want to relate this to the Patriots when Hoyer came in before Zappi and then Hoyer got hurt, we all wanted Zappi. We all wanted Malik Willis. We all wanted um, – oh, what's oh, – I forgot the other name, so I'm not even going to think about it. But it's about time that – Instead of throwing in just another old head, let Sam Ellinger get in there, give him a week to prepare, and see what this young kid could do because he was pretty good at Texas and he hasn't yeah. got his chance yet. So I, I, I think that this was one of the rare cha- one of the rare times where an NFL team makes the right quarterback decision the week right after. There was a report that came up that saying that Ellinger beat Nick Foles in a QB battle, and he should have. Like, I bet like, Bailey Zappi beat oh, right. Brian Hoyer in a QB battle. Oh, but Brian Hoyer came in before he got hurt, and then Bailey Zappi came in in the regular season and was very good, and he's still very good, and we'll talk about it soon. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another fun team, the Cincinnati Bengals. My adopted Cincinnati Bengals because of LSU. I- I'm going to say a hot take. The Cincinnati Bengals are the best team in the AFC. This offense is far more talented when they're playing this style of football. Right, like I, you guys can argue this, but I think Joe Mixon is better than any running back on Kansas City or Buffalo. I think Jamar Chase is a top three receiver in the NFL. T. Higgins is a top, like a top fifteen receiver in the NFL, and now they have Tyler Boyd catching seventy yard touchdowns, and you have Hayden Hurst, a good tight end. Their offensive line is solidifying. This is a very fun, young, exciting team that doesn't realize how good they are. And when they're putting everything together and when they're fully healthy, this team's going to score 35 points a game. We saw Jamar Chase put up another insane stat line. He had two touchdowns. He had like over 100 yards receiving. Tyler Boyd did the same. And T. Higgins, what, he had 95 yards receiving? And he was a third receiver on that team on Sunday. So it – You're good. And it's – they have so much talent. And Joe – I haven't even mentioned Joe Mixon yet. Joe Mixon, a top-tier running back when he's healthy. Like, he, he scored a touchdown. He did his thing. Joe Burrow threw for four touchdowns and rushed for one. An outstanding performance from him. He threw for 400 yards, may I add, as well, against an Atlanta Falcons team that has covered every single game of the year up to this point, and then they got blown out of the water here. So shout out the Bengals, and I, I put them up there with the top dogs in the AFC now that they've figured out everything. Yeah, and, and um, I want to say what you said about T. Higgins is – um, it's about time. 93 yards from T. Higgins off five receptions. He's been kind of getting cut off on reps, which has been confusing. This was a big bounce back week, not only for him, but for that receiving core. 
and that whole team. And I know Will has something to say about Joe Burrow's yards because he's told me like five times since this game has happened. Oh, yeah. He threw, he had 500 total yards on Sunday. But I also wanted to say, Stop, I liked your hot take. And I actually wanted to add my hot take was I was thinking about this all day today. I was like, you know what? The Bengals might be repeat AFC champions this year. They might make the Super Bowl again. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I mean, it's a good story. It's, it's a good story. It, it really is. And may I add that the, I mean, the defense has some holes in it, but there's a lot of teams selling at the deadline. If the Bengals have a good deadline, if they imagine they acquire like Bradley Chubb or they acquire Roquan Smith from the Bears. Or, or this is actually Logan. a team that I can see. Like we were talking about Roquan, like where is he gonna go? He could go to this team. And Logan Wilson right now is injured for them. He he didn't play on Sunday, and they oh. I think they what they only allow fourteen or seventeen points. Seventeen. Yeah. So uh, Logan Wilson was a great player for them in the playoffs. He, he had an outstanding playoff run, and Trey Hendrickson is playing outstanding. Um, Sam Hubbard playing great. The interior defensive line is improving. Their secondary is questionable. Their their corners, I, I don't love their corners, but their safeties are good. So this team has the intangibles to do it. It's just – and now I think that they actually can keep up with the offenses of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I think that the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals are all interchangeable at one, two, and three in my opinion. And we'll, we'll get to the Chiefs in, uh, later, but the, the Bengals really have – if you look at it, Every single week that they've played, they have gotten better. Mm-hmm. So I love to see that, and especially because I'm I have some some interest in the Bengals. But I'm curious as to hear your outside opinions on this because I mean this was my hot take. Will kind of said it, but Griff, what do you think about this Bengals team? Do you think that they can actually repeat as AFC champions? Uh, for starters, there's no doubt in my mind that they will win the North. I, I think that mm-hmm. Baltimore is going to fold over. Something's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen until Lamar, but we saw it with J.K. Dobbins getting hurt. Now it's going to be a committee over there, and Kenyon Drake's going to be their number one running back. That's a big blow to them. Pittsburgh sucks. Deshaun Watson's not going to do anything when he comes back. Jacoby Brissett's the better quarterback. They're going to win the North, so they're going to be in the playoffs. And, and, and from there, it's about whoever has the hot hand. This is an offense that can do it, but what you said about the defense is exactly what's kind of holding me back from agreeing with you. Because I think when time comes to it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. We might see Bills Bengals in the AFC Championship, and this might be one of the greatest games of all time. And Stefan Diggs might have 180 yards, and Jamar Chase might also have 180 yards. I think it's whoever's better that day between the defenses. 
I still like the Bills over them, though. But I do, I do agree with you. I think they have the ability to, and I think that they're on route to get to, you know, the games where they're kind of 50-50 um, and, and just have a few left until they make it to the Super Bowl. I also wanted to say, Stav, if the Bengals do make the Super Bowl, they're going to win it this year. 100%. So I, I think they have the chance to. I think I think it's really up to them or the Bills. And I think that, honestly, I'm, I'm going to say I think whoever makes it out of those two teams is going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the AFC. I think the mm-hmm. AFC is a great conference. It's really interchange. I mean, I was kind of making my early playoff predictions, but anyone besides, I think, teams in the AFC South has, you could make an argument as to why they could advance. I mean, here's my preliminary playoff bracket just off the top of my head. One seed is going to be the Bills. Two is the Chiefs. Three is going to be the Bengals. Four is probably going to be the Titans. Five, you have the Dolphins. Six, you have the Jets right now. Yeah. Like, I, I I don't know how – I mean, they just acquired James Robinson. We'll get to the Jets as well. But James Robinson is a good running back for them now. I mean, they lost Elijah Barrett. About Michael Carter. People are forgetting about Michael Carter. Yeah, they, they still have two good running backs. So I don't think that they're going to make much noise. But, like, you, you can make the argument because that defense is outstanding. And the seven C is interchangeable between Baltimore, between the Chargers. We'll get to them as well. But yeah. I, I it's so it's so open – at the same time, though, it's very talented. So it's tough. And I haven't even mentioned the Raiders, who I'm very high on as well right now. Um, AFC is just a, a powerhouse. There, there are so many good teams in the AFC. And if any of yeah. these teams are in the NFC, they'd probably be the best team in the NFC. I, I agree. I agree. I I mean, almost all of those names that you mentioned, except because, like, just because of the history of the Jets, I, I just can't even imagine that. But, I mean – I would say the top three teams that you named and then the Titans who are going to sneak in there because they're in the South. I think the Dolphins could be the best team in the NFC. Um, I, I, I think that the Ravens obviously could be the best team in the NFC. And I think the Raiders could too. I, I And it's not because the NFC is terrible. The AFC is just stacked this mm-hmm. year. And, and, and they're going to be stacked for a while. We're seeing good teams not play well too in the AFC yes. just because of how talented the AFC is. Like the Raiders right now, what are they, three and four? Yeah, three and four, I think. There, or there's something like that. I don't know if it's two or three wins, but they're very – yeah, I think you're right. They're a very talented team. Like, and they they play well. They play good football. Like, I, I enjoy – I mean, now that they've established Josh Jacobs as a pre, like a premier run, running back one, Devontae Adams is doing his thing. Derek Carr is improving every week. It's kind of like the Bengals in a way where they've gotten better every single week. McDaniels has kind of settled down, let the offense do its thing, and the defense is stepping up too. So the Raiders are a good team. It's so hard to pick seven teams right now. And, and on me, I said I think it's three, but they are two and four. That's on me. That's my Yeah, mistake. so exactly. They, I was trying They're to say a good two and four. Best two and four team in the Exactly. In the that, that, just, that just supports my case even more. They're two and four, but they're a really good team. And I think that they would be a top tier team in the NFC if they had an easier schedule. They've they've had to face a juggernaut up to this point. So all right, let's move on to the next uh game that we have listed. An AFC North battle. Another team that we didn't even mention, the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. The Browns got screwed out of this game, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a phantom fall start. So the Browns lined up for a 56-yard field goal with around a minute and a half, two minutes left in the game. And the Ravens jumped. Okay, you push them five yards closer. But then the refs called 
a false start on the Browns. The replay showed there was nobody on the line who moved. Nobody moved, but they called a false start. It backed them up to 61 yards. They missed a field goal. They lose by three. Um, I feel bad for Cleveland just because, I mean, we know the history about Cleveland. They've never really had sustained success. Um, But, yeah, I don't necessarily feel bad because Deshaun Watson's their quarterback. But it's one of those things where wins like this could really come back to bite you, especially against a division rival where you need to win these games. Um, And I wasn't really impressed with what I saw out of the Ravens either, boys. I don't know if you guys really got a chance to see this game, but Lamar only threw for, what, 100-something yards? Like, Yeah, 120, and put up an absolute trash can in fantasy. But um, Cleveland, it's been weird. This is a team, and I feel like every single time we talk about Cleveland – they have to win some of these games that they aren't slated to win, and this was one of them, and this is going to hurt them later in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say, I mean, obviously none of both of these teams did not put up an impressive performance at all. But I want to take a look at the 2-5 and five Cleveland Browns. I mean, obviously this, this game puts up a good case for all of us saying that the Bengals are going to win the AFC North. I mean, it's pretty obvious mm-hmm. after this game that they're the team that's trending in the best direction out of all of them. Yeah, I, I mean, by the way, I want to say me and Will had a tough time watching the 1 p.m. slate. We were on the West Coast, also at a game on Sunday. So, I mean, I watched the highlights for almost all games. I did not watch the highlights on this game. I, I did not see that false start either. That's yeah, a false start. What, what's your call? What's what's Stav's? If Stav were wearing stripes right now, what what would the call be? It would be offsides no on the start. defense. The, oh, the, the defense, <laughs> the Ravens were the only ones who moved. I need to look at this play now. I yeah, the Ra- you can watch the yeah, play. I didn't even see. I didn't even hear about this play. The Ravens were the only one. I don't know where they got the false start call. Like it didn't make much sense to me because we were. I mean, it was on one of the TVs. We were watching that. And we we're like, well, what? Is, what's? Why is this a false start? I didn't know if like a holder moved or if like someone moved a foot. If you got when you guys sure. get a chance to watch this. Um, You'll, I, I think you'll just be as surprised as I am because it, it makes no sense as to why they called this a false start. Yet again, we are a supporter of the stripes. We love the stripes on this podcast. So I don't want to sit here and, and rip on the refs, but you know, everyone makes mistakes. And I, I think that the Cleveland Browns really were affected by this play. Obviously, hence them losing by three points, missing a 61 yard field goal instead of attempting a 51 yard field goal. That's a 10 yard swing right there. So Ooh. I just oh, watched the play. Yeah, so so here's the thing. Will you see this? You see this uh 71 is the on the left side. You see the, the first tight end on the left side, that's who jumped, right? Oh yeah. But before yeah. that, before that, you're right, Stav. That that defensive tackle on Baltimore jumps prior to it. But that's a neutral zone infraction, right? It. Yeah, he, he jumped into the neutral zone. I yeah, I mean this is on the defense. Oh, yeah. it, yeah, Ravens jump. I just rewinded a couple of times. You see the Ravens. left side. I think they're. I yeah. don't know if they even called it on this guy on the left side. But because... that that's a phantom call. I I don't necessarily. I mean, if if I haven't had the chance to really look at the report of it, but I would like to see the explanation of what they saw compared to what we saw, because obviously we have an easy job. We can point it out because we have we're watching it on a screen compared to live in time. So. Right. Also, and, no, well, well, the also thing that apparently on that play, the field goal took like over 10 seconds. It got under the two-minute warning after the, after the field goal. 
like that whole play caused like they were mm-hmm. like I, they like it actually like made that go to the two minute warning, like that entire span brought it down under to the under the two minute warning. Yeah, so it wasn't the the, the like actually a big big play. The Browns. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find if it's the center. Wait, no, it's not even. And of the other angle didn't even show because me. because the center unless the center okay here's the here's the official ruling they called it on the center they called it on the long snapper and they had him for being set but then breaking that with his head but the thing is his head wasn't down he brought his head down that's when the defense jumped when he brings his head down that's when he gets set once his head goes down he can't go back up but I think they I don't I don't even know I actually don't know I don't know that, but that's what what my best guess would be for why they called that on the offense. Yeah. So, uh, and it's mid- not, that's not even that great of an explanation for for the stripes on that one. And that that's a rough call. It's kind of a tough call to make in general because there's got to be something that we don't see if if they're calling that. You know. Yeah. Very um, difficult. But that that was kind of the only important yeah. thing out of this game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. We have the. New York football giants at six and one defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars for whatever reason we're favored in this game. We all picked the giants plus three. That was a lock. I should have made that my lock of the week. And we felt like as if it was a Vegas trap game, but we took it anyways and we succeeded. So the giants actually were inches away from losing this game, technically off of a hail Mary, but yet -hmm. again, we see Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley doing their thing. These two are becoming a duo worth noting. Like we, everyone used to um, make fun of and clown Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones has more rushing yards this season than Najee Harris. I know it's completely <laughs> different situations, but but Daniel Jones is playing good football for the Giants here. He's leading them to wins. Wins are the most important stat in football. I don't care what anybody says. I hate like a total yard stuff like no. Wins are the most important stat, especially when you're six and one and you're continuing to find ways to win games when your team isn't as talented as your record shows on paper. Yeah, and I mean Daniel Jones, who threw for 200, ran for 107, and come. I mean him and Saquon together, I guess you could call as the backfield duo, combined for 227 on the ground. Saquon, who caught four balls for 25 yards. I mean, this was just a two-man show the whole day. We saw a few guys get a couple catches. Nobody went over 60 yards receiving. Daniel Jones was dispersing the football to everybody imaginable on this team. Um, and he went in there, got two touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. He looked very good in this game. And, Will, you're an idiot for starting Aaron Rodgers instead of Daniel Jones this week. Yeah, I know. And for that reason, Aaron Rodgers' bench. For Forever. until further, Forever. until further notice, until further foreseeable future, for the foreseeable future. Also, wow. want to say that this Giants defense is actually pretty underrated, in my opinion. They have a lot of solid pieces on this defense that play very well every single week. I mean, yeah. and, and that's why they're six and one. And Brian Dable is a guy that um, players can kind of trust and buy into what he's trying to do with the energy that he brings. The players in New York love that. And they're six and one right now in the toughest division in football. And it just sucks because they're not going to win the division this year. And, and this is their best year that I, I can even remember since they won the Super Bowl, maybe. I don't even remember, like 2011. Yeah, Sorry probably. for bringing up that year, but like, probably since when's the last time they were good? 
2016, that was the year with Odell. Odell. Um, like, they, made, they, they made the playoffs, and that's they when they the NFC the, East was known as that. And when did they lose? Well, no, they. I think that year they went like 11-5. and five. And they lost in the divisional. They lost in the so wild card to the Packers. Yes, yes. That so was that's a, what I'm I, mean, I think I think they might go better than eleven and five. It, I hope I hope they only win one more game though. So my prediction is true. Well, what's crazy is we're, we might see three teams in the NFC East make the playoffs. Like no yeah, one's really talking about this because you got th- you have three really good teams right now in the NFC East. Uh, like you just said, Griff, Philly undefeated as of right now. The Cowboys, who just got their starting quarterback back, Dak is back. And they played well. Their defense is awesome. And we got the Giants now who are just well coached, playing a great brand of football. So we might see three teams in the NFC make the playoff or the NFC East make the playoffs, which is something that if you told me that literally last year, I would call you crazy. Right. And I mean, it's been a special season. There's been nothing short of that. Something's in the water in New Jersey, down in East Rutherford. It's been very special. But talking about these NFC East teams, another one that could sneak in as a in a wild card are these Dallas Cowboys who are now five and two. I mean, it's crazy that at, in, in this division, you have a undefeated team, a one loss team and a two loss team. You bring any of those other teams to a different division. They're first. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's been tough to be in the NFC East this year. The NFC beast is officially back and the Dallas Cowboys absolutely stomped the one and four. Now one and five Detroit lions, 24 to six Dak Prescott came back went 19 for 25, 207 yards. I would say that's a great game. I would say that's very efficient, and that's exactly what he needed to do. How about Tony Pollard going in there, being the leading rusher for the Dallas Cowboys, even with Zeke getting more touches than him. Zeke always finding his way into the end zone. He had two tutties. That was overall, that's exactly how the Dallas Cowboys need to play. That's that's straight up what I'm going to say. And even though they played against a team in Detroit, where people are talking about Jared Goff should be getting benched um, with two picks today. Um, I, th- I think Dallas could play like this against any other team in the NFL. 100%. Their, their game plan and how they play is translatable to every single team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I The one play I really did want to talk about from this game is, I don't know if it's going to show up in, this doesn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily, but I mean, it technically does. But Jamal Williams fumbled on the goal line, right? We, what the camera showed was just like a fumble on the goal line in a pile, but the Marcus Lawrence on this play, right? He lines up as the edge rusher. He stunts inside, takes TJ Hawkinson with him, takes a tackle with him and then takes the fullback breaks through the fullback while being blocked by two guys and forces a fumble in this play. I think that is one of the single best plays I've seen out of defensive lineman ever. Like I, if you guys can find this clip, I don't know where I, I saw. I'll, I'll send it to you guys later, but Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. This is one of the single most impressive things I've seen a defensive lineman do. And he's not even the best player on this defense. Micah Parsons is making a great case for defensive player of the year. And he's playing outstanding. Not only is he rushing the passer and stopping the run, he's dropping back into coverage now. He almost had an interception this week. And he's just such a jackknife that you insert him anywhere on this defense and he plays outstanding. And Demarcus Lawrence is really playing well. And the rest of this defense is even playing well. Trayvon Diggs had an interception, a big one at that. And this Dallas defense is something that people really need to start taking notice of. I mean, if this team starts putting it together, I mean, they can really make a run. I mean, especially if that comes, obviously he came back, played well against the Lions. But if he plays consistently well for the rest of the year, this team is now amazing. I mean, their defense is not played like this the years that we've been like, oh, the Dallas Cowboys defense is legit. This is like one of the best years of the last three years that this Cowboys defense has been amazing. Like, it's not even a legitimate defense. They are probably the best defense. And, Will, you bring up a good point, too. This is another. This is my NFC hot take. I think the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. I think that they're better than the Philadelphia Eagles when fully healthy. And I think they're better than the Giants. They beat the Giants with Cooper Rush mm-hmm. on the road. Let's actually see what they can do at home, like with Dak Prescott. I think that's going to be a, a clear win for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are the most talented team in the NFC, and I think that they are going to. I think they're going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. I think they're going to splash at the deadline. I think this is one of the teams that we're going to see splash a little bit and really try to push now that they know Dak is back, the defense is amazing. I wouldn't see why not. Try to push for a wide receiver, help out that team a little bit. Yeah, well, even though though the Giants have a better record, I agree 100% with them being better than the Giants. I I just still – I'll believe it when I see it. I, I I guess I'll get back to you on Christmas time when they play the Eagles. That'll be the real test. That's going to be an awesome Christmas game. That is, gonna be a, that is going to be the best game. That might be the best game of the year. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, the Eagles as well. I think that'll probably decide who's going to maybe, I mean, unless the Eagles went out, which I don't think they will. Um, it's almost impossible nowadays. I, th- I think this game will decide who the one seed in the NFC is. And I think whoever wins this game wins the Super Bowl. Kind of like what I'm saying with uh, – Bills, Bengals. I, I think whoever wins Week 16 is whoever is going to have the easiest path, and, and they're going to end up winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl and losing to either the Bills or the Bengals. That, that, that's what I have to say. Uh, I, I like the take with the Cowboys stuff, but but at the end of the day, I think Philly. You know, we're talking about how exciting their offense is, um, and we're talking about how great the Cowboys defense is. We're not really crediting the Philly defense that much, and, and Philly's secondary as well. I mean. I want to say Philly has a top three defensive line in the league. It was really up to their secondary this year, and they've been nothing short of, like, amazing. So I, I still got Philly up there, and, and it sounds like a basic pick because they're undefeated. But, I mean, th- this ball club is talented, and I think that Jalen Hurts is better than Dak Prescott. I want to I mean, know what's what's fair until further notice for the Eagles, in my yeah. opinion. What, you want to know what's wild? I don't see the Eagles losing another game all year until this Cowboys game. Like, let me just like preliminary games. I'm just going to list out their games, and you tell me, other than the Cowboys game, possible losses. All right. Here we go Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts, Packers. This is the only, the Packers are the only other competition that I think they kill the Packers. Where are they playing? 
Um, at at uh, Lincoln Financial. Oh, Eagles. Yes. You're right. All right. After the Packers, you have the Titans, the Giants, the Bears, Cowboys, Saints, and Giants again. Like I would say, honestly, only the Giants and the Cowboys have the best chance. And I mean, okay, at I, that point, at that point, we don't really know what the Giants are going to look like. But I mean, if if we were to take the Giants right now and the Eagles right now, that's a great game. Like I, I mean, I would probably still take the Eagles, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants put up something against them. I'm going to throw this out. I think that the Giants lose another game or two along the way until week 14. And when they go up against Philly at MetLife, I think that Philly beats them at MetLife. Then Philly goes on to beat the Bears. And then they have to beat Dallas. And they do it at Dallas. And that's the start of their championship CD, DVD. So I think they lose. They're not going to go undefeated. I think they lose to New York week 14 in a game where it's like, wait, is New York really this legit? But New York is going to be a wild card team because they already have a few losses along the way. And then they have to go be a tough Dallas team late in the season. They go down and do it. That's yeah, what so I think. It's it's one of those things where, I mean, if the Eagles keep dominating, mm-hmm. I don't see any of these other teams beating them besides the Cowboys. You're I right think, I think it, that, that I agree. That Cowboys game is going to be the toughest game. 100%. All right, next game on the slate. I felt like we were just talking about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles more so than uh, – they didn't even play this week. They had a bye week this week. But anyways, let's move on to the next game. The Las Vegas Raiders, a team we were were previously talking about earlier in the episode, Raiders. For, at home against the Houston Texans, a team that's actively tanking. Um, and the Va- Raiders did their job. They won this game. I don't. There's not really much to note from this game, other than the fact that Josh Jacobs is solidifying himself as a true running back one and getting the touches he deserves. He had a great game. The Raiders scored 38 points. Uh, Josh Jacobs at that had 143 yards, three total touchdowns, and he had 143 rushing yards. He added 12 uh, receiving yards onto that. Um, he did his thing. Derek Carr went 21 of 27, 241 yards. Uh, 95 of those yards were to Devontae Adams. 55 of them were to Hunter Renfro. 44 to Matt Collins, the three receivers on this team. Yep. Yep. The Raiders are really putting it together, boys. And this offense is a lot of fun to watch. And this is what we've been saying, Stoff, since the beginning of the season is get Josh Jacobs activated. And then, you know, the passing teams will open up and Devontae Adams should have like pretty much half of your receiving yards per game and you'll be just fine. And Josh Jacobs at the beginning of the season wasn't getting those touches. They were almost doing a committee, which was, I mean, embarrassing from the coaching staff. They gave Josh Jacobs a chance and he's putting up games like this on a weekend and week out basis. Now he's not scoring three touchdowns a game. But he's putting up over 100 yards every game, and he's in the end zone every week. And it's been about time because coming out of Bama, this guy was looked at as he could be the next true like star running back in this league, and he's trying to solidify this spot. They're not giving him enough touches. On 20 carries, he has 143 yards, and he should be getting 20 touches a week, every single week, week in and week out. I don't think he should even come out of the game. He's a workhorse. I've never seen him get tired. I've watched a lot of Josh Jacobs. That year at Bama, he was special, and I kind of got hooked onto him. I've been watching Vegas games, and I've been looking out for Josh Jacobs, and he just really hasn't been getting the reps that I think he should be getting. I don't know if that's something that has to do with practice or whatnot, but when he's in the game, which is all that you know, the spectators see, when he gets his touches – 
he does exactly what you want him to do. So it makes no sense why he, he doesn't do this on a week in and week out basis. I think that he'll begin to do that. And I think that Devonte Adams is going to go on a long streak on a hundred plus yards per game, maybe for the rest of the season in the Vegas Raiders are, are, are going to find a wild card spot and they're going to be just fine because that AFC West, we'll talk about the Chargers soon. We know how bad the Broncos are. That second spot in the AFC West is still going to be a wild card spot. And I think it's going to be the Raiders. I mean, you also have to think they're, they're adding Darren Waller hopefully next week, if not in two weeks. Like that, this team is going to be very, very good, especially when he comes back. Mm-hmm. And I was going to mention this with the Cowboys, but Odell Beckham's still a free agent and he's healthy now. Who's to say that Odell doesn't go to the Cowboys or the Raiders? Or is he healthy? Is he one hundred percent? That's what that's what I said a while ago. I was like, he should be on the Cowboys. I think right I think he's like a week or two away from being like fully ready to go. Fully like okay, okay. But I mean, I like him. I like him going to the Vikings. Yeah, that's another. I mean, that's another team. Like a lot of teams, though. There's a lot. I mean, any team. Can How can OBJ. yeah? Exactly. OBJ is still one of the best. We'll talk about the Seahawks three solidified starting receivers. OBJ is still obviously a guy who can help a team regardless of where he goes. He could go anywhere and it would he would help them. Like he, he's one of the best receivers that we've seen. All right. Next game on the list. This was another snooze fest. Um I don't really want to talk much about this one, but we have the Jets at the Denver Broncos. Brees Hall sucks he's out for the rest of the year. He was putting together his uh case for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, the Jets really although they won this game, they lost a lot. They lo- also lost Elijah Vera Tucker. But the Jets moved to five and two. Right, they recently yep. acquired James Robinson, who we all assume is just going to be Brees Hall's replacement. He's not; he might not be as good, but he's still a good back. Like James Robinson is a good running back in the NFL, and they found a good replacement for Brees Hall. I don't think I don't think he's going to be the replacement. I think that Michael Carter is going to get his chance again. He's a second year guy coming out of UNC who had a great rookie year, and I mean Brees Hall was on the board by the time the New York Jets were up to take. We're, we're up to pick and coming out of uh was it Iowa State or Iowa Iowa, Iowa State um whatever was, ones yeah Iowa State you're right the Cyclones yeah the Cyclones um he was special and, and I mean you can't not take Brees Hall so they did it they're gonna do a little two headed snake um kind of like a Nick Chubb I, I think I said this last week they could be like a Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt type situation Michael Carter has been on the team the whole year knows the playbook like the back of his hand or at least he should seven weeks into the season um Michael Carter at least for the next week or two should be their running back one and if he isn't I actually don't really agree with that I think Michael Carter is a very good running back and James Robinson is going to fit in well because Michael Carter more of an elusive guy James Robinson likes to put uh his shoulder down he, he's going to fight for a few yards. He's going to be their physical running back, and I think that this might be a good tandem, a, a nice young tandem, and I think Michael Carter is going to get his moment. I, I, I believe in Michael Carter. I believe in him, UNC guy. I mean, this is probably the most ideal pickup for the Jets after obviously losing Brees Hall for the season. I mean, I mean, this is my lock of the week. I said they were going to come out this week and get the job done against the Broncos. The Broncos aren't good, but now they just added James Robinson, they're they're going to consistently going to be able to get the job done every single week. This Jets team is very good. All right. Anyways, Griff. Oh, so this is the game that you guys went to, right? Mm-hmm. We have the Seattle Seahawks, Griff Seattle Seahawks versus the podcasts, Los Angeles Chargers. Griff, <laughs> talk about your game. Talk about your first place Seattle Seahawks. Um, yeah, we'll talk about a little bit about the Seahawks and then me and Will will talk a little about uh, a little bit about the trip because me and Will were actually at this 
football game at beautiful SoFi Stadium. Um, but we'll talk about the game first. The game ended 37 to 23, and there was never a doubt. There was never a doubt in our mind from the beginning, from the opening snap, when there was three uh, flags in the in the first like maybe two minutes. We were like, yeah, if there's going to be a lot of flags in this game, then the Chargers are definitely not going to win. A lot of injuries in this game as well. But the bright shining star in all of this, the chosen one, Kenneth Walker III with 23 touches, 168 yards, and that 74-yard touchdown run at the end of the game to kind of put the nail in the coffin. I mean, I I, I don't know what it was, but that day I I feel like we were watching – this is going to sound weird and you guys can disagree with me. We we were watching the first game from a Hall of Fame running back. We were watching his breaking out party. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think that he's going to be – um, not, I mean, as good, but he, he's the best running back we've had since Marshawn Lynch. I, I've never believed in Chris Carson. You know, I've never believed in Rashad Penny because I've been saying that I think Kenneth Walker deserves his chance. And coming out in this game, going up against a tough front line in LA, I mean, about the only part of their team, and I know Bosa's hurt, but they're still very good at that front seven. That's the best part of their team right now with all the injuries. He went out there. He ran for 170 yards. It looked like he wasn't even trying. It it, it was a beautiful performance, and Gino doing exactly what he's been doing all year, 20 for 27, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He threw that pick, um, which was 100% his fault, I want to say, but that's what quarterbacks do. You know, you can't be perfect. Um, and, And another big bright spot in this team in this game was Marquise Goodwin who I mean in only four grabs had two touchdowns you can see one of the touchdowns on our Instagram and in our t- and on our TikTok um I mean Marquise Goodwin if he can do this he's our slot receiver he's our third guy behind obviously Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who went down with an injury in this game the the Seahawks who are in first place in the NFC West could easily retain that they could continue to be this first place team in the 49ers who just got Christian McCaffrey, that's really the only people in there stopping them from being first in the NFC West. I think that we're a better football team overall than the Rams, and, and I, I want to say we're five times better than the Arizona Cardinals. It, it was a great game to be at. I love mm-hmm. the Chargers. Um, the, I, there was more Seahawks fans than Chargers Definitely. fans there at this stadium, 100%. Um, the Chargers fans, what we learned from this game, well, the Chargers fans – First off, I think we're some of the realest Chargers. And I'm wearing a Chargers sweatshirt. I turned my camera off. Oh, I got my bucket hat. I was going to wear the bucket hat on pod, but I, I got a bucket hat. I was looking for my Jamal jersey. It's nowhere to be found. It's missing, just like his left knee. Um, But the Chargers fans are just like the leftover Raiders fans. Like, these aren't real Chargers fans. Like, all of them are like, yeah, like we're from the Oakland area uh, or we're from the California area but we're Chargers fans. And it's like, you should have been a Raiders fan um, from the time that you were on this planet, everybody in California during like the 40 year, the 40 to 50 year old people are all Raiders fans in California. That's why there's not a lot of Chargers fans. I'm glad that we learned that lesson. I was going to say, like, if you take a look at like, um, I mean, obviously never been to a Rams game, never seen a Rams game at SoFi. We went to a Chargers game, but um, I wanted to say, like, the Chargers game, the environment with the Chargers fans, it was almost like there was just a collective group of people who root for the Chargers are, like, hanging out at the game. I feel like when you watch Rams games, there's, like, a crowd. Like, the Rams fans are, like, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Rams fans, obviously. They no, and well, you can that compare way. that to any team. I mean, I went to the Patriots yesterday, and the day before that, I was at the Chargers. It's a totally different environment, and just in all aspects, I want to say it's the opposite. Yeah. SoFi and Gillette are opposite. The good Poor. things about SoFi are bad in Gillette, and, and the good things in Gillette, which there isn't many of them in my opinion, are the bad things about SoFi. And I think the only good thing about Gillette is the fans in the environment, and the football team, and the organization. Now, I think Gillette is a smelly, sweaty, shitty town to be in as well. Um, and obviously, SoFi, $7 billion stadium. Um, but everything Definitely that actually matters, everything that actually matters about football, Gillette and the New England Patriots, I mean, obviously, it's the New England Patriots, but Gillette holds the advantage there. Mm-hmm. It, it, I miss the days where the Chargers were playing in a soccer field. That was a fun time to root for. That's when me and Will were really hooked onto that team. I mean, if you look at like the environment of the game, like it was like it was fun. Like you know, like they were. Having no, I mean, I mean, the stands were like, full and sold out. It, it was full, and like you can't like there's. It was awesome. Like that. Like even though it, it, they're not as intense as like Pats fans are, they still had some kind of like they still cared a little bit. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were just like mm-hmm. oh yeah we're at we're at the game. But the Seahawks fans were into. It. You, everyone oh, yeah. was like, they were into it. It was just the Chargers fans. The 12th man was, was like, there that day. Oh, 100%. It was very active. And I mean, obviously, we said $7 billion stadium. That stadium does look like it was $7 billion. No, it looks like it's more than that. I mean, me and Will, yeah. me and Will were exploring the stadium before the game. And stop. I, I, we haven't told you this. We couldn't get to the other side of the stadium. We didn't know how to. We, we like, there were the, co- the concourse doesn't let you just go around. You had to, yeah. like, Go up and then down and then like take you know, right you go down. To the left. We, we we honestly didn't even get to the other side of the stadium. We didn't know how, and we were there hours early. We, we couldn't figure it out. They have like a board, right? Like in, like almost like when you go to a mall and you like see the concourse yes, like a map. Tell you like a map, and it, literally it only works in like parentheses or like half circles. So like the sides, they literally block like when they show you the sides. So like almost where the boxes are, like the side on just, the side. Lines. On the sidelines, those are the only two things that were highlighted. And then it showed you the end zone areas, and there was just two boxes there. And then they just showed the one side, the side that you were on, and then the other side with that side on. But it never showed you it all like connected to walk around. Like it's not possible. Now, now I know, I know for a fact, Stav, that went right over your head because I was at the game and I have no idea what Will just said. Um, <laughs> but w- basically, what we're trying to say is that it was confusing, and and I think Will really put the exclamation point on the game. Yeah, like, that was the only way I could, like, see it. No, you're right. I mean, I didn't even think about mentioning the map because when we looked at the map, we looked at it for about 30 minutes and still didn't know what to do. (laughs) 
Yeah, the only thing I saw was the outlining of there was like a bunch of horseshoes on it. I mean, yeah, that's they what I'm saying. That's why the stadium into like large semicircles, and it made no sense. Yeah, isn't that stadium like five, uh, like bleacher rows high? So like, yes, there's, yeah. yes, that's wild. Five, five bowls, five different bowls. We couldn't get onto the first bowl. Uh, we were on the second, and we got up to the third. Didn't know how to get onto the fourth or fifth or the first. So we only really got onto two of the bowls. We, I mean, genuinely did not know how to get onto the other ones. Yeah, I feel like if I was in that situation, right when I found my seat, I wouldn't want to leave because I feel like I would get lost. We found the seat and we were yeah. like, you know what, we're early. I mean, we got in there at it's actually built the 11 a.m. Yeah, we we got in there at 11 a.m. Western's time. The game started at 125. We had so much time. We we're like, yeah, like let's see like what the different vendors are. Like, by the way, they had cool blue Gatorade, mm-hmm. ice cold, the bottles of them. Awesome. They also had red. They had uh, bottles of like pretty much every bev you could imagine. I got a um I got a souvenir soda. Will did too, but he left his at the stadium. Uh, That's foul. I brought mine. Actually, you know what? Um, Will, keep talking. I'm going to go grab it. Yeah, I like we got up for my seat, and then I I forgot it in – like I literally put it down. And then we got up, and we were, like, focusing on getting up. Like, we were putting our hoodies and stuff back on. And then I was, like, so confused. So this group of people that were just, like – they were Seahawks fans. They came down. To, so we were sitting in the first row of the second bowl like that first row and they were like about five six seats to the right of us was the staircase griffin hopped over and then he literally beat them by like 0.5 seconds like a swarm of like five seahawks fans came down oh, is that after the game yeah when I, I was trying to tell him like how i forgot it because we got up and left and i was like focusing on getting my like hoodie and stuff i didn't even think about it being next to me even though the cup holders were like the one thing we talked about like the whole game yeah because they were the literally on top of your legs and then yes. I was so distracted. Still have marks on my thighs. The seats. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. The seats. The the second worst stadium seats, only behind the new TD Garden seats because they thin those out. The seats. Um, to draw a comparison to my legs, maybe stopped about here. So we were really squeezing in. I think I might. I'm not gonna. It's kind of up on my legs, so I'm not gonna show it. But I think I still have marks on my legs. Yeah, and there was a couple of on both sides. It was kind of shocking for the first row that they weren't like it was like a little bar. Like you easily could have just placed your drink like there or had them like yes, like something like that. But they just had them on top of the chair. Like it was built into the armrest. That cup is fire, Will. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, that's I know. what I'm saying. We'll have the same well, that cup when I got up to the top, I was like, oh my god, I forgot my cup. And in great... that the end of the game, Stav, you know my mindset. We have the same mindset. It's the walking in Boston mindset. You don't give a fuck about anybody else. No, you get up and go. Boston. No. Yeah, I was I just trying to went. get around them. And, and I went and then I waited at the top of the staircase for five minutes and then there will like Will finally made his way up. There was no way to go. There was literally no like I couldn't even like say excuse me. And they were literally like in the middle of the picture. I was like I was like trying to, and then more people came to go take another picture. And then they left and I was following them up. More people came down to say hi to them. I'm like, who are these people? And I do um, want to say uh the nicest stadium I have ever attended mm-hmm. uh in terms of the people there. The, the worker, every single worker, um, you know, you go to a Pats game and the ushers at, at the um, at the games don't talk to you or nothing. Um, there there was ushers at this game just saying hi. There was workers at this game like you would walk by and they're just like, hey, how are you doing? And me who works for a professional sports team, a triple A team as a guy that like when I'm walking around the stadium, like 
on my job is to make sure like fans are like having fun and all that. So I'll chat to them, but I've never actually seen that done at the professional level. That was, that was something that, I mean, it, it's like a place that you want to go again. And, and it's a place that is almost built for the away crowd. It, it really is like, it, it's a stadium that if an away fan goes once they want to go again next year. It, it, it was awesome. Okay. Now, cause I'm hungry. Tell me about the food. You guys talked a little bit about the Bevs. You got a cup. Talk about the food vendors. How is everything with that? Well, I, well, talk about the upsetting part, which uh, we were very looking forward to one item and we couldn't find it. It said so, it, but it was so okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through it, and then we're gonna get to the important item last because the important item just sounds so amazing. I don't want to just talk about that because then the rest of it will kind of just be disappointing. So we're walking across a lot of nachos, a lot of different types of nachos, and I thought that was very like cool. at least five different kinds of like nachos. you can get whatever. Never you seen want that in a stadium. Yeah, whatever you wanted, they had like fresh guac, like everything, like everything you want, they had. Then they had a taco and burrito areas. You can get literally like tacos and burritos. I didn't see them, but like it sounded fire. So I was like, wow, where is that? I couldn't find that when we were back, when we got back, because I was low-key thinking about that. And then they had shrimp cocktails that you could buy. I'm not really sure how that even works at, at a game, but like that was an option, and I've never seen that before. And then they had personal pizzas, which me and Griff both got. They were yeah. pretty good. I mean, wasn't they were good. They were good. They were good. They were they were better than like you remember the old the old personal pizzas at Gillette when we were younger that were like the Papaginos ones. Those were probably like the best ones I've had since the Chargers. I usually don't get a personal pizza at uh, an arena nowadays. I'm usually like a tenders guy, mm-hmm. but that that was a very good uh, personal pizza. Yeah, no, it, and it was fresh. It was, I feel like they made it. Yeah, no, there was like pizza. That's what it tasted like. It tasted back, like a homemade like pizza. Came out. Yeah, it just tasted like they made it. It was, they had like tons of pizza ovens in the back. It looked awesome. And then they had like chicken tenders and whatever, like the normal stuff. And then they had like, like cheeseburger. And then it said cheeseburger sub. And we were like, me and Griff looked at each other, and we were like, wow, like cheeseburger sub sounds fire. Like it literally, they described it was like cheeseburger roll with secret sauce, cheese, lettuce, tomato, onion, like in a roll, and that was it. Like in like a sub roll. That's like the like, Northboro House cheeseburger sub. Yeah, we were oh. me and Griff looked at each other and like cheeseburger sub is gonna go crazy. Like that's what we're getting. getting. That's like what that was the goal. We were like, this sounds like I've never thought about even having one at a game. Like it's usually like a steak and cheese or something. We got there, we looked at the thing, it literally just described it as a cheeseburger. Not yeah, a cheeseburger yeah, they, they sub. Didn't even have it. They, they might have it at Rams games. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's was up sad. with it, but but it was sad, but I mean the the personal pizza was great. I got my souvenir cup. I got a pink mm-hmm. lemonade. I think Will got a soda of some sort. Yes, um, missed. You know. It, also, it seemed like LA was sponsored concessions. by Pepsi. Well, the Everything. NFL is sponsored by Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, the NFL is. Oh, okay. The only sense. I think the only stadium in the NFL that doesn't have Pepsi product is Atlanta. That's interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Coca Cola. But I mean, like about, the whole city too. Like they had Pepsi like everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere we went, but even at Raising Canes. If we want to talk, you went to Raising Canes, we did. Had to, they have one in Boston. I've never been, but I want to go. Oh, yeah, we we went to Boston once, but um, on Saturday night, uh, you guys will see a YouTube video soon. Me and Will played some uh golf under the lights, some Saturday night golf under the lights, Mm -hmm. stadium lights around a par three course made by Top Golf. Right next to it, there was a Raising Canes, so we hit that, walked over to the golf, and, and we played some good golf. We actually played some bad golf, so have, hopefully it's at least maybe funny. Have you guys ever gone to Dave's Hot Chicken in Newton? No. No, but the, I've heard, I've heard the it's good. The best chicken in the state. 
I, I, I will put my money on it. We we all need to go soon. I'm starving and I'll just talk about food forever. I'm hungry but too right now. Dave's hot chicken is so good. Like we I went there in July after whatever I just went there. That was the only time I've been there. It's way too good. It's ten times better than Chick-fil-A. It's better than Popeye's. It's better than any other chicken place ever. Wait, so what is it? I thought it's, I thought it was gonna be like wings. It's not wings, it's like no, chicken sandwiches it, yes, or like tenders. Yes. Chicken, it's both. Right. So like, it, I don't think they have wings necessarily. They have chicken tenders. They have chicken sandwiches. It is so good. Because if we're talking about wings in Massachusetts, here's a spot you guys have definitely never been to. Um, but for all the Massachusetts listeners, all the Cape Cod listeners, DJs in Hyannis, by far the best oh, chicken I, wings I've had ever in my life. I might have been there with it, Nick and um, um, It's in Hyannis. The restaurant is like inside of a train. Okay, never mind. We didn't go there. We went to a different place. But, Very yeah. good. Hyannis. I two five to Dave's hot chicken. Yeah, could we do that this weekend? We'll, we'll, <laughs> I, I <want laughs> Halloween weekend, busy. Oh yeah, big weekend Halloween for college weekend. kids. Yeah, well, that is true. Oh, well, yeah. what are you going as? Um, the whole room, my room, all of us are all minions, and then we have someone going as group, mini boss. I don't oh. have stuff. Dude, I need to figure something out. I, I have two things planned for the weekend. Like, I'm going to two different functions. I don't have a costume planned yet, and I don't know what I'm going to be. I, I don't want to be casual and just throw on a jersey and be like, oh, I'm Joe Burrow. No, I want to be something cool. Yeah. One of my friends was like, we should be Iron Man and Captain America. I'm not trying to spend $150 on a costume. I'm sorry. but Sorry, Tony I, Soprano. Good idea. I'll be Tony Soprano. I'll just bring a cigar and, like, a suit. But I actually like the cigar. All night, and I'll just ruin everyone's night. night. Yeah, the whole night. Bring like a your backpack and have your humidor in your backpack. <laughs> oh, and I also have the six cigar torch. Nice stuff. That's what yes. it is. Um, it is. hey, girlfriend, what what are you gonna be? Yeah, so oh. my girlfriend is actually uh coming, and, and we actually had an argument about what we were gonna be, um, because we didn't know what roles we were gonna take. There was two roles: a golfer and a caddy. I told her she should be the caddy and take like the caddy outfit that you wear in the masters, the all white. She didn't mm -hmm. like that idea. Um, like the all white kind of like the coverall, like it literally from head to toe, you're just wearing that way. You guys know what like the caddies wear in the masters. Yeah, the right? masters one. Yeah. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said, no, she doesn't want to be that. She wants to be the golfer. So um, long story short, uh, my all white caddy outfit is coming in on Thursday uh, got a green hat. Um, I'm going to be a caddy for Halloween. Nice. So I would trust you on the bag. No, I think I'd My be great bag. on the bag. Throw a couple of jokes caddy. in there, give you some distances, give you a couple of reads, um, sit back, relax. I think I'm going to carry around a bag all of Saturday night. My golf bag. I'm, I think I'm going to carry it around. And just if anybody tries to get in a fight with me, uh, the nine irons getting busted out. You have like 13 clubs to pick from. 13, yeah. Yeah, because I, of course it has to uh, be under compliance of the PGA Tour rules. Mm -hmm. You have to have 13 clubs. Yep. Maximum. So, you know, I'll be a caddy. Um, but anyways, I, I, I think it's about time we move on to the next game. Um, overall, a fun weekend in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, but how about America's Game of the Week, Stav? I'll let you get right into it. We got the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so – where do we even start? Um, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. There's a lot of storylines that came out of this game. So shout out the Kansas City Chiefs for just literally silencing anything, saying that they – that like the 40 – I don't know how I want to phrase this. The 49ers got dominated by the Chiefs at home. In mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey's first game as a 49er, although he only had two days under the playbook, and Jimmy G played awful. Jimmy G had a lot of questionable decisions. I don't know if you guys saw I don't think you guys saw this game because this was going no, on at the same time. this was the exact yeah. same time. Okay. So, the, the Chiefs – okay. Jeez, nice English. So, the 49ers <laughs> and the Chiefs, this game at halftime was close. It was a 14-13 game. And the 49ers were down, obviously, 14-13, and they were on, like, the one-inch line, one-yard line. They throw a pass, and Jimmy G just hucks it up into, like, double coverage, which got picked off. That changed the entire complexity of this game, and the 49ers never really stood a chance after that. That was their last chance to kind of take the lead, maybe even go up seven points, and they blew that opportunity. Jimmy G, although if you look at the box score, he he put up good stats. He threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, but that interception really killed them. And um, Jeff Wilson was the premier back, or not even. He didn't get as many carries as McCaffrey. McCaffrey did look explosive. It just he he's not exposed to the full playbook. He needs the he needs the he. You said he had two days with the playbook, and he only had one practice. Yeah, so, so. it's not like like I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about Christian McCaffrey here. He looked good in the opportunities that he got. But we're not here to talk about the 49ers. We're here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes continues just to dominate. He threw 423 yards. Three touchdowns against a very good 49ers defense. Um, and the run game was there. Like Clyde Edwards Alaire, six rushes, 32 yards. He scored a touchdown. Nicole Hardman on two rushing attempts had two touchdowns and 28 yards. He was the star of the game. He scored two touchdowns, which we, we never would. I mean, he scored three touchdowns. I'm sorry. He had a receiving touchdown as well. You never really expect Nicole Hardman to be a guy to score three touchdowns. But Juju Smith Schuster and Marquez Valdez Scantling are slowly solidifying themselves into being the receivers of the Kansas City Chiefs that we were expecting them to be in the beginning of the year. Juju mm-hmm. went for seven for 124 and a touchdown. MVS had three for 111. He's just a big play receiver. And Travis Kelsey went six for 98. And that's not a great game out of Travis Kelsey. He, no. Just because he didn't score a touchdown, he still had six receptions for yeah. 98 yards. And Miko Harmon had a touchdown through the air as well on four receptions. So in – uh, Jarek McKinnon, although he only had two receptions, one of them was on like third and 17 where he broke it and got a first down. So he's another explosive guy in this offense. And it, it's just crazy to me how good this Chiefs team is. But like we said, we've said this all episode, we've been preaching it. The AFC is so stacked. Like the, this, this Kansas City, like 
This is just a premier example of the AFC being so much better than the NFC. Like the AFC is one of the best teams in the AFC versus one of the best teams in the NFC, and the AFC wins by 21. Mm-hmm. And, and the Chiefs, I want to say, sneakily at five and two. Sneakily, which is exactly where they should be, but nobody's talking about that. And I talk about it all the time across all sports. When you're one of the best teams in the league and nobody's talking about you, I get very, very scared. I think that the Chiefs could 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 really do something behind everybody's back right now. And the thing is, they're five and two. One of their losses was to the Colts, and I'm fully willing just to scratch that. Like that's just yeah, a, yeah. I'm ready to just erase it. That's just a bad loss. It happens. Like, Those happen. Yeah, and they happen. I, no one really overreacted to that loss. I think everyone was kind of under the assumption like, oh, this is just a bad loss for the Chiefs. Like they're way better than this. Everyone knows that. And they they fell. They, I mean, obviously they lost to the Bills, but that was another great game. But I'm what I'm saying is like everyone knows how good the Chiefs are. And the Chiefs rebounded off of that very well. Because if you lose to the Colts, some teams, if you lose to a bad team, just spiral. And they didn't. They just continue to winning excuse me, continue to be a dominating football team. Yeah, I want to say I actually have a hot take, not really about the Chiefs like normally I do. It's actually about the 49ers. I don't think they're going to be that good with McCaffrey. I don't know why. I just – I know obviously he only had two days of practice, but I think in general just for that whole team, I'm not saying that McCaffrey is going to play bad. I think they're going to play well. I just don't think they're going to be that good. I think the Seahawks have that division in my opinion. Yeah, it's – I love I'm not I mean, too high on the 49ers. I just I, uh, something about them. I don't know. Just, just that energy in that whole locker room doesn't seem awesome. Yeah, I mean that that pretty much sums up that game. That game, it w- although it was the game of the week, um, nothing really great happened in that game. So let's move on to Sunday night. How about that? We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Miami Dolphins, and I have some hot takes about this game too. But the Steelers fall 16 to 10 against the Dolphins. Kenny Pickett threw some bad interceptions towards the end, but regardless, um, the Steelers covered. We all picked that. They won mm-hmm. the game, essentially. Um, are you ready it for my hot take? Let's hear it. Dolphins offense sucks. For, for a team that has the two most explosive players in football, in my opinion, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you have – Two of the fastest running backs in the NFL with Raheem Mostert and um, Chase Edmonds. You yep. have a very solid tight end in Mike Kosicki. Yep. You have a decent offensive line. Toronto Arbset is back. Mm-hmm. Why is this team only averaging 17 points a game? Some may say due to injury, but two is back and they scored 16 points. Week one against the Patriots, they scored 13 points offensively. Um, week two against... The Ravens, they scored a lot of points, but that was all in the second half. That was a Ravens collapse. As we've seen the season progress, we've seen that the Ravens collapse more so than not. Like, teams that beat the Ravens beat them because the Ravens collapse. Um, Week three against the Bengals, they scored 15 points. Or uh, against the Bills, I'm sorry. They scored 21 points. Week four against the Bengals, they scored 15. Week five against the Jets, they scored 17 Week six against the Vikings, they scored 15. Week seven against the Steelers, they scored uh, 16. So All in the first half, too. Yeah, exactly. They didn't even score a touchdown in the second half. And I, I hear all this praise from, from Dolphins. It's like, oh, Tyreek Hill is about to beat the single-season uh, receiving yards record. Yeah, great for him. But 
I don't see yards being this deciding factor in a scoreboard. This this team is supposed to be built around offense, and they're clearly not. Like what I, I I'm not mentioning Tua right now because all the Tua nons will attack me as I've been attacked before by saying this, but like why is this offense receiving such high praise if they're not even scoring over 20 points a game? Most teams in the NFL are scoring over 20 points a game. Yeah. And if you take away that Ravens game, this team averages, what, 15 points a game? So I'm just curious as to hear what you guys think about that. Um, This should be Teddy Bridgewater's football team. And we talked about it before in the beginning of the year, and then obviously – what what we saw in the first two weeks was something that was supposed to shut us off. Um, I call it a bluff. In Miami, who's at four and three, this is the perfect time to let Teddy B get in there and start slinging the ball. And I think that that would be very effective. I agree with you. I think that a large part of it is because of Tua, um, and, and they have a mastermind as their head coach. I think that this is the best that Tua can possibly perform because I think Mike McDaniel is a very good head coach. He's very smart, and he's a guy that um the the team can really get get around and i think those are the three big things when it comes to coaches um and, and two just i mean this is really his last chance when you're four and three you really just have to take the best quarterback for the rest of the year you can't really think about the future just think about the rest of the year and i think teddy bridgewater should be the guy and, all right if we just look at the box score right now Tua went 21 of 35 261 and one touchdown his one touchdown happened to be in an, on an arguable backwards pat, like behind the line of scrimmage. Like that, that was all Raheem Mostert that did that. And, and, or not Raheem Mostert. Who did, who scored that touchdown? Oh yeah, it was Raheem it was, Mostert. I'm it sorry. Mostert. Yeah. Like that's his only touchdown pass. He threw four dropped interceptions. Four. Like that's like uh, the Steelers defense played well. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But even the Patriots, we'll get into them, scored at least 17 on the Steelers. The Dolphins didn't even score that. And Griff, you talk about Mike McDaniel being a mastermind. I think he's an offensive mastermind, but I think he's using the analytics way too much. They were yes. up 16 to 10 in the second Brandon half. They were, and they were driving, right? They're in. They're on like the 20-yard line. It's like fourth and two. They go for it instead of going up two possessions. They could have made this a 19 to 10 ball game, and that would have solidified, like that game would have been over. But they decided to go for it, and they didn't get it. Like, I don't understand what, why aren't you putting your team up two possessions? I understand if you were up like 14 to 10 or something, where, oh, I want to keep this going. I want to go up even more. But you're going to be up two possessions if you kick that field goal, and they just didn't. So I, I don't really know what's going behind those decisions, but. I'm not sold on the Dolphins. Like, I'm really not. I mean, there's a lot of external factors. We're talking about if half of those dropped interceptions are actually caught, this Dolphins team probably loses this game. And uh-huh. Kenny Pickett made some questionable decisions at the end. But let me let me say this. So Kenny Pickett threw a bad interception, which I thought would be the end of the game with three minutes left, right? I thought the Dolphins would run out. The, no, they went three and out. They went three and out, and the Steelers had a chance to come back and win this game. Twice mm-hmm. in the last two minutes of the game, right? How do you get a? How do you let a team get the ball back twice in two minutes? Your your offense can't move the goddamn ball. Like, or in the second half they at least couldn't. And yeah, you're gonna say, oh, he's threw for two sixty one. You scored sixteen points. Who cares if you throw for two sixty one? That's such an empty stat. That's like Matt Ryan being a top five quarterback in passing yards. I don't think right. two is that good. And I think people really starting. St- People really need to start holding him accountable for this team only averaging 17 points a game. I know, I know he's been injured and whatnot, but 
I mean, let, let's look at this, the numbers. Numbers don't lie. I mean, we, we see plenty of teams go to their backup quarterback and, um, and they still pick up the offense. And what Tua's yeah. doing isn't something that a backup quarterback going to do. He's throwing the ball 10 yards max. He's not mm-hmm. launching it deep. He's not hitting them in tight windows. He's just running RPOs every single goddamn play. I, I don't know. I mean, that might be just me because I don't so, like the Dolphins just because of the division rivalry. But what I see out of Tua, I, I mean, I, I could be just a hater, but I'm not sitting here hating on Josh Allen. I mean, I, I you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where it's like Tua's not doing anything specific to help this offense. It's just literally all play yeah, calling. I agree. Yeah, no, I, agree. I was going to say, I don't even think that's a, a hot take in my opinion. I think people just aren't looking at it enough. I mean, we're just assuming that all. They're throwing for a lot. They're getting a lot of yards. They're but they're not scoring points. I don't. I feel like that's the part of it where they're like, oh well, they're winning a game or whatever. Like the, the small things is what people are, are really highlighting for the Dolphins. But the bigger picture here is that they're not scoring enough points. And I mean, they only escaped this game by six points. And obviously, like you said, the Steelers had two possessions in the last two minutes of the game when they were up. Like that shouldn't happen at all. The game should be the it should be run down. Timeout should all be called. They should have. Two first downs, game's over. Yeah. Like the game should have ended 15 minutes before the game ended. I mean, I, I don't even think it's a hot take. I I mean, obviously, I'm not – I think Tua should be looked at again for their quarterback. I Their head coach is very smart. They run a good offense. I know that they can do that. They have the talent to do so. I just don't think they're using it in the right way. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's been tough because Tua's the younger guy. Um, but I think it's time to see Teddy in this game. Um, and, I mean, talking about a quarterback switch, we saw one between you guys' team la- just last night. And I know I was at this game last night. Stav, you were as well. So I'll, I'll let you talk about it. And then, Will, I'll let you follow because this is obviously your team. Um, it's tough going through a quarterback change unless your next quarterback is Geno Smith. Then it's just perfectly flawless. So, um, Stav, obviously we saw you on the news the other day. We posted that on the Instagram and the TikTok. So go check that out. Um, and it was a question of what quarterback you believe should start. We had a conversation last night after this game as well, Stav, and you stuck with your pick. And, and, and I'd like you to go a little bit in depth about, you know, what the question was and, and who you pick as well as why. So for those who don't know, obviously, I I got asked by a news anchor for Channel 5 who I want a quarterback, Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones, and I said Mac Jones. Um or who I expect to see. I I expect to see Mac Jones. Um, And I'm sticking with that pick. You know, he's the captain of this team. And I'm going to go into this a little bit more, but I feel so bad for Mac Jones. Like, Griff, you were there as well. Nobody in the stadium gave him a chance. From the start, there was Zappy Chance. I was leading, or not leading, but I was a part of the Zappy Chance just because, you know, I'm an outside source, that's a funny thing that happens in a game. But and I think, I mean, three for six, he only had six attempts. Obviously, through one pick, he got pulled way too soon. He got – so, hypothetically, Zappi had the second half, but you put him – you start him in that game, but he has the second half that he did in the first half. You know what I'm, you know what I'm yeah. trying to say? Yeah, I mean, he was terrible in the second half. He played terrible in the second half. Nobody talks about that. And Mac Jones – Led this team to the goddamn playoffs last year with one of the best rookie seasons of all time. I mean, he threw for 72%. He threw for 22 touchdowns. He led this team to 10 wins. He led them to some impressive wins. And 
the offensive play, I mean, this just might be me being conspiracy theorist or whatever. The offensive play calling for Mac Jones was not the same as it was for Bailey Zappi. I said that to you last night, Stop. I literally texted you. Yeah. I was like, like the, when the playbook opened up as soon as Zappi got on the field. But and, when, when I, I'll talk about that. And, I mean, hypothetically, people could be like, oh, Mac Jones wasn't ready to come. Then why did he play? Why would you put Mac Jones in that situation? Like, it, it really irks me because – what we saw last night out of the Patriots is what we were complaining about in the preseason. I thought that the Patriots from the preseason to week six have got were getting so much better. I thought that we were going to see a run like last year where they rattle off a few wins and they're competing for the division when they're going to establish. No, last night they just went away from everything completely, right? Griff, I texted you this separately because I was just pissed off. Um, here's what the Patriots need to do. They need to pick a goddamn quarterback and you got to stick with him. Right, you can't just pull them. You can't have two quarterbacks thinking that they're both going to get in the game. That divides a locker room, and that's the last thing that this team needs. You need to establish the goddamn run. You have two great running backs, in my opinion. You have Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, two guys who are running back ones on most teams in the NFL. And mm-hmm. um, I, let me pull up the stat sheet because I, I wasn't really score or a box score watching yesterday. But on the ground, we didn't do anything. Right, Ramondre Stevenson had eleven carries. Damian Harris only had three. If you're the New England Patriots and your identity is running the goddamn football and being physical, how do you only have 19 total rushing attempts against the Chicago Bears team who's terrible? And your second leading rusher is Mac Jones, right? Like, Mac did not have any time in the pocket. He was getting all the penalties. Trent Brown played awful yesterday. That was probably his worst game in a Patriots uniform. He had so many penalties. I agree with that. I agree with that. And there were so many external factors that were ruining his confidence and not only that the fans were booing him when yeah it was a bad interception that's the worst thing to do and then you change like the, the whole situation was managed terribly terribly and you didn't give mac jones a shot you didn't let him run the ball you made him go empty set against it when that wasn't working so i, I i'm getting very frustrated with how everything's formulating here I just want to know who's goddamn quarterback, and Belichick dodged it again. I hope in-house they talked to both of the quarterbacks and said, okay, you're starting this week. Be prepared, and you're going to be the backup. Be ready to be a good teammate this week. I don't care necessarily who's starting. I just want somebody to start and know that they're starting, and the team knows that they're starting. That's all I really want to say about this whole situation. I don't care that they got blown out and embarrassed by the Bears. I'm embarrassed because this organization handled the quarterback situation awfully. I mean, Stav, you couldn't have said it any better. Um, I wanted to start off one bad loss to the Bears, but honestly, I don't really care, like you said, about that anymore. Like, that was more of like, well, that sucked last night. They played like shit. Like, what am I going to do about it? Like, they, they hadn't, it wasn't like, oh, they had a shot to win the game. They didn't. So I can't be mad about it. You're not going to sit here and put up a fight about something that doesn't actually even matter. But if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. We need to make a decision now because if we don't, the season is a wash and we're almost at the point where it's getting too late. And obviously, like you said, Tom, I don't like the way they handled it at all. I don't know why if Mac wasn't ready, why did he play the first drive? Why then why did Zappi play the rest of the game? They said at halftime, Oh, they're both going to be playing both quarters. Well, at that point, you might as well just said, Oh, Hey guys, we're planning on losing this game tonight. That's what's going on. Like that's what happens. Um, Obviously Mac comes in. I mean, I, I'm iffy about both of them because they both have played well. I've, we've seen them both play well. I don't 
like it, it puts everyone in a weird predicament. It puts the organization in a weird predicament. And I keep saying this over and over again. If you want there to be a battle, there should have been a battle in the preseason, not right now. There's no need for there to be a battle just because Mac Jones got hurt and, and Bailey Zappi came in and started doing Bailey Zappi's thing. I mean, last night when Bailey Zappi came in, those two touchdowns, they looked like the playbook opened up. They looked like they're like, oh, Zappi can throw the ball down in the field and let his wide receivers make plays. I mean, Devontae Parker went up, caught a ball. I mean, yeah. I, I, we haven't seen really much of that with Mac Jones this year. I, we've been waiting to see something like that. Every single time they put Mac Jones on the field, it's all checkdowns. We, we don't really do too much. We don't we don't let him be a quarterback. That's the that's the only way I can really put that. And, and personally, I don't know why. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't like what they're doing. Obviously, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. They really need to make a decision. Like you said, Stop. I kind of just want them to make a decision so I have someone to root for. I mean, Zappi didn't play great in the second half, so I, I can't really sit here and be like, oh, I love Bailey Zappi. Like, yeah, he's awesome. He can sling the ball. He looks poised as a quarterback. He looks very confident, and he looks like he knows what he's doing. I can say all those things, and he can be the starter next week, and we can win a football game. Or I can say, oh, Mac Jones is our second-year leader. He's the captain of this team. He's a good quarterback, and we can win a game next week. They just need to pick one. Yeah, exactly. Well, you said it great. I'm glad you added those points. Um, when it all boils down to things, obviously, like, I have personal interest. Like, Mac Jones, like – I, I hate to say this and bring this up. I met him. He's a good guy. He's an easily rootable guy. Like in, in the fan base, I understand why other fan bases hate him. But like, I, I think he's been given a bad hand right now. And I don't like to see that. And I feel bad for him. However, when it boils down to things, I'm a Patriots fan before any single player. And I just want to see who's going to win this team. Goddamn football games. You can't lose to the, um, can't lose to the goddamn bears at home on prime time. I also wanted to say it almost like this is obviously very hypothetical in a way, but it almost looks like Belichick is just giving his his mind is already made up, but he's almost just giving his reasoning to the public who he's picking. Like he puts Mac Jones out there almost to not succeed to put Bailey Zappi in. Like the Mitch Trubisky situation. I was just gonna say it's kind of like the. Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky situation where like, oh, well, Mac Jones comes back after injury, makes a mistake. Zappy comes back in. And, you know, it's like, it just seems, it's honestly kind of cliche. It doesn't really make sense. Like the whole Kenny Pickett situation, like he's a rookie quarterback that deserves a chance. Obviously, Zappy deserves a chance, but like there's there wasn't a battle noted until he got hurt. Yeah. So to really yeah. do that, it, it's kind of an asshole move in my opinion. Because you're not giving the guy. Like, I know that's what he does, bro. And, 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 and yeah, it's just these are the things where where Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. He's been coaching for what fifty years, like forty or fifty years. And there's a lot of things that could slide a long time ago that can't slide anymore. And I feel like Bill Belichick has been the definition, the textbook definition of a coach that can coach in any era. But these are the little mistakes that even though you want to say Bill Belichick doesn't make mistakes, these are the ones that he will make. And it's almost – I know it's very different, but it's almost comparable to Blood So Brady where Bill had no business taking Mac Jones out that early in that game. He had no business. And I know that Bailey Zappi won a couple of games for y'all. Mac Jones – I mean, he's a young quarterback, needs to be solidified as a starter and needs to know that because if he has any thought in his head otherwise, 
then he is almost screwed. And, and it showed in this game, and we didn't even get a big sample size of him. He pulled him out very, very early, and, and that's something that Bill Belichick should know not to do. I feel like this is what he's been you know, known for being the greatest coach of all time. And, and you have to admit that that's a mistake. That is, Big mistake. I'm no expert, but that is a mistake. All right. Here's my take right now, right? This might be so premature, but the next two weeks, the next three weeks, rather, I feel like, or I'm going to say the next two, just because next three is kind of obvious. Decide the season, right? If we lose to the Jets, we drop to three and five. If we lose to the goddamn Colts, drop to three and six, just tank the rest of the year. Try and get a top 10 draft pick, in my opinion. I don't care because it's just so frustrating. And I don't necessarily even want a quarterback in the top 10. What I want is a guy who can move the chains. Like offensively, right now, nobody can break tackles on this Patriots team. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson every so often. But like, I, I, I hate thinking back to like, the 2010 Patriots, like the, that decade of dominance, because we'll never, we might never ever see that again in the NFL. But no. you always had a guy. This is what I was telling uh, Nico last night. The Patriots don't have a guy who, if you give them the ball five yards, or if you throw it to him five yards off the line of scrimmage, he can't turn that into 15 yards. No one on this team can catch an out route, break a tackle, and get a first down. Like none of the receivers can. Devontae Parker, deep threat. Great. He can go up and get a jump ball. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, fast. But you you make contact with him, he's going down. Jacoby Myers, same thing. He cannot break a tackle. Hunter Henry, slow. Can't break a tackle. Jonu Smith, can't get open for some reason now. But he, he's a guy who could, but he's a tight end. Like, that's what he's supposed to do. Nobody is a chain mover on this team, right? The quarterback has to be near perfect for the receivers to be well. And... I don't know if this necessarily is me calling for a playmaking receiver, but there's no security blanket and there's no guy. It's like, oh, it's third and seven. Let me give it to this guy and let him make a play. We have nobody of that essence on this team. So it's like there's so many directions. And I I, I can go on another 30-minute rant about how bad the defense was because they were god-awful. But it, it just – boiling down to Matt Judon's carrying that defense right now. Like Judon is clearly the best player on this defense, but I, I don't want to talk about the defense. We'll talk, we'll stick with the offense right now. Cause that's, the, that's a new storyline. I'm sure many people are clowning me right now for saying Mac Jones, but I'm sticking with my, my pick right now. And um, it's very frustrating. And I, I really do hope if we beat the jets this Sunday, I'll take a deep breath we'll get back to 500. But if we lose to the Jets and drop to three and five, it's time to hit the red panic button, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you take a look at both, obviously. You said the last thing. You take a look at both. Like, when Zabby comes in, it looked like they were about to get ready to win the game. Like, it looked like they just flipped the switch. They're like, all right, guys, time to win the game. Like, let's stop playing like shit. And like, that's literally what it looked like. And then, obviously, the second half is a different story. But when he came out and scored two touchdowns, the team was just playing. They, they were playing football. Like when Mac Jones is out there, it just they all just look like they didn't care. Like, like they just came out here and did nothing. And I'm not saying who who I prefer. I mean, I've said Zappy one week, I've said Mac Jones another week. I I just it it just the whole situation is just very illogical, and the way they're handling it is very disappointing. I mean, I would like to see Mac Jones get a chance and do his thing like he did last year because he's clearly capable of doing. Yeah, definitely, and, and it's a tough situation to be in. 
And I feel like we're going to have a lot of questions answered next week, especially against the tough Jets team. Um, I do want to say before we get out of here, um, I got two guys of the week. I got one from the NFC. I got one from the AFC. Starting off in the NFC, I have Kenneth Walker the third. Um, just an absolutely explosive day. Um, highlight of his week, obviously, was that long. I want to say it was a 73-yard touchdown, if I remember correctly, where, I mean, Will, at that game, we were watching it. And I was actually almost going to take a video. I, I, I'm so mad that you I didn't take close. a video because he, he ran into our end zone on our side, but he started all the way on the other side. Um I was like getting my phone and they snapped it. He just kind of busted out of nowhere, which I said the whole time, Kenneth Walker is a guy where I don't think Rashad Penny could do this. And I know for a fact, Chris Carson couldn't do this. Um, He's a guy that like, there's just a scrum and then you're going to see him just break out of it. Out of nowhere, he's just going to be gone. And that's exactly what he did at the end of the game. So, you know, my NFC player of the week, my guy of the week, um, on the AFC, I'm going to pick a defensive guy. I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner, um, a cornerback who led his team in total tackles. He had nine solo. Um, he had two assisted tackles or one assisted tackle or two assisted two assisted tackles. Um, he had three passes defensed, didn't have an interception in this game, but was on Cortland Sutton for the whole entire game and only allowed three catches for 20, 23 yards on nine targets. So yeah. great game from Sauce Gardner. Yeah. So that, that about um, wraps it up. Yep. Throwing it back yep. up to me. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, a long one once again. Um, a lot of things going that happened this weekend. We will catch you on Saturday, on mm-hmm. Saturday now. Um, for, I mean, I guess we can – go a little bit about the MLB World Series, even though game one isn't going to be played until Friday. We have a week until that happens. Um, So who knows? Maybe a little NBA in there. Um, College ball getting started soon. We won't talk about that on the next episode. We'll be talking about it soon, though. Um, Soccer talk. We hope you guys enjoyed, as always, no shot of us talking about soccer on the next episode. Not episode, but soon. you guys on Saturday, and peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.